And we're live. What's up? How are you? What's up, Joe? Dude, you're Man. on a roller coaster ride. What is it like to be the champ? Uh, What's the well, feeling like? This is fresh for you. Oh, well, first of all, I just want to say, man, it's such an honor to be here. Um, the honor's mine. I never. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be honest. I'm. I'm. My thing is, I'm just gonna be 100 totally transparent. I was never. I never really watched the show. I never really kind of heard of the show. Of course, I heard of you and, and all the things you do. I'm like, oh yeah, it's Fear Factor guy, you know. But I never really heard of the show until like after a, like a fight or two in the UFC, and people are like tagging me and shit. Like, yo, Joe Rogan's talking about you. Joe Rogan talking about you in podcast. I'm like, fucking podcast, because I never listened to podcasts at the time. I was like, Woof, what are you talking about? Till I finally started listening, I'm like, oh, this dude is for real. This dude got some 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 pool. He got some people watching this shit. Random people would tag me. Oh, Joe was talking about you today on the podcast. I'm like, oh man, this guy's for real. And then every time after that that I see you, I'm like, what's up, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about you for a long time, man. We were just with your friend out there. We we're watching a video of us talking about you back when you were ranked number twelfth. And I was saying, I think you could fight for the title right now. Yeah, man. That. Um, and I, I, I like to attest it to, I think, because I went back, once I started kind of researching, you know, I, I like to go back and do a little research. And I'm like, fucking, Joe's been with this this sport for the beginning. Like, you were in the back with hair. He <laughs> 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 was hair freaking interviewing the guys that were doing, during the tournament that were finding multiple fights at night. Mm -hmm. And you were interviewing those guys. And I was like, damn, even back then, Joe had skills. Joe was a beast at interviewing these guys. There was no shaking behind it. Because I, you know, one thing about me, I've gotten into com commentating and things like that now. And I'm like, dang, Joe, he didn't seem nervous. You were just like a freaking natural at it. And the sport was just growing at that time. I was like, well, Damn, there was Joe's nobody watching back then. It wasn't as much pressure, you know. It wasn't like coming into it today. Yeah, ESPN pay per view, all that deal. It would be a lot of pressure. But back then, it was just fun. I mean, yeah, it was. It was weird, man. The first one I did was in Dothan, Alabama, and this weird like, it was, I don't know if it was a high school gym or something, uh, some small auditorium, tiny little place. It was very weird. Yeah, but you made it look like a freaking certain little walk in the park i mean it was i was like damn joe's good at that joe's been doing this shit for a while well it's uh it's an interesting thing to see you know to see it progress from 1997 to where it's at in 2019 the biggest difference is not just uh the amount of eyes that it gets and the amount of people that are paying attention to the real difference is the level of athlete it's a it's a giant giant leap like in no other sport i don't think there's another sport from 1993 to 2019 where the athletes are almost, it's almost unrecognizable how much better the fighters are. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there, it's now, back in the day, it was like, okay, you finished your college career, you finished all this, you've got to the height of whatever, you know, sport you could be, let's start fighting. And so guys were coming in at 28, 27, starting to learn the, the tricks. Now you got freaking 10 year old kids. Yep sparring yeah there's all these crazy videos of like little bitty kids fighting in like russia or other places like they're full-on mma fighting now. yeah it's a totally different it's like, world yeah whole promotion i'm like man by the time these guys get to 16 17 they're gonna be killers yeah but if you go back and watch like a boxing match from like 93 a, a world champion boxer like marvin Hagler, perfect example marvin Hagler from the 80s could absolutely hang 
with middleweights. Uh, like he's he would fit right in with world champions today. Absolutely. But uh, a UFC champ from '93. I mean, God, it's just not the same. It's not by any stretch. It's it is such a back then. It was like a it was wild. It was crazy. But nobody had endurance and. You know, there was a few guys that had some skill and certainly like Orlando V yeah. or Hoist Gracie. There was guys that were really good at their individual arts, but there was no real complete fighters yet. Yeah, you got the transition because it was everyone came in with their special skills. And that mm -hmm. was the, that was a big thing. I think UFC even sold that as oh yeah, you got the wrestler fighting yeah. the com the combo, the the yeah. you know, sambo guy and the jujitsu guy and the, so that was the thing. Everyone came in with their one skill and they put it to the test to see when which skill was better. It's it's freaking crazy, Joe. My first fight, first time I ever watched a UFC fight, I was visiting John Jones. In college, freshman year, this was our, our our freshman year, true freshman year. I was visiting him because I went to a a small school, William Penn University, which was about two hours away from him. He was at Iowa Central in Fort Dodge, Iowa. So I went to go spend my fall break a whole week with him, just hanging out because we had met the previous year in high school and just you know it's two brothers and wrestling. It was like, hey, two brothers, what's up, man? Where you going to school <laughs> next year? It's like I'm be Iowa. I was like, yo, me too. And so we kept in touch, and I went up to hang out with him. And during that week, I was a fight on someone, like a friend of the team, something like that, invited us to come to his house and watch it. And we went over there to watch the fights. I had never really heard of it. I never really cared. I was just a freshman, just trying to hang out with John and party. What year was this around? This was two thousand and five. I think yeah, two thousand five. So it was like first season of the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, two thousand five. So. We go, I think it might have been Randy Couture or someone. John just reminded me, but I forgot who was fighting. And we went to the house party and watched it. I really didn't really remember the fight I because I didn't really care. I never paid attention to it. I never thought I would ever do something like that. So I just watched it. And, and then I remember the guy saying, hey, man, you guys can do this. Why don't you guys try this? And I was like, me, I, me and John kind of looked at each other like, hell no, nah, ain't no way we're going to do that shit. You know, <laughs> wrestling is controlled. You know, there's rules, you know, certain things you can or can't do. There's no way we're doing that. So we kind of laughed it off and, and left that day. Never knew that I freaking years later, I'd be doing this, doing this Not sport. just doing it. You dethroned the guy who many people, including me, were saying as a, is a very good argument for the best welterweight ever. I felt like Tyron is like, you got to give it, there's like two, there's legendary status, right? There's like, Matt Hughes has legendary status for being the original. He was one of the first wrestlers who really knew how to submit guys. And then George St. Pierre was, of course, in many people's eyes, the greatest of all time in the welterweight division, went on this long run. But I was like, man, when you, if Tyron beats Usman, I was like, there's a real good argument for him being number one of all time. Beating Wonder Boy, beat, smashing Darren Till, beating Damian Maya, knocking out Robbie Lawler to win the title. Absolutely. Know. I considered him. I, I put him in that conversation. Yeah, he's in that conversation for sure. For, sh for sure. I put him in that conversation. I, you know, nothing but respect for Tyron. It was I mean, nice to see afterwards. It was there's a video of you and Tyron's mom and Tyron and Tyron's mom afterward. It is a beautiful video, man. Yeah, man. It's I, a uh, tearjerker. 
I, I freaking, I, I let it go because I'm one of those guys. I never really sit and, and stop and smell the roses and things like that. I always, I always have a chip on my shoulder and I'll explain why that is. But I, I always had this chip on my shoulder with everything that I do. So I never really sit and celebrate and say, oh, yeah, I accomplished this or I did that or did that. But I had known, I known his mom. I, I've met her previously to, to that, the fights. I fought in St. Louis one time. And, of course, I'd seen her several times at his fights. But I was fighting in St. Louis, and I was there early. And she was at the hotel. Tyron wasn't fighting or anything, but she just came to the hotel. I think she was just hanging out. And I got to sit with her before, like, all the fighters even came into town. I had to sit with her. I think we sat for a couple of hours, maybe three, four hours, just talking. I got to know her, and she was she was just such an angel. But at the same time, she's she's a gangster too. Like you you can't you know she she was everything. And the only thing, the biggest thing I could compare her to is if you ever seen that show for way back, it's called Touched by an Angel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I forget what her name is. She's like the famous like black actress. And um, do you remember that woman? Like Adele. I, 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 I forget her name. What is it? It was Maya Angelou. It was, was it? My, no, it wasn't Maya Angelou. It was that. Like, I mean, she was Maya Angelou status, how big as she was and inspirational. But that's kind of what I compare her to. And so we got, we got, cl- we, you know, I knew her. And Tyron obviously wasn't who I would have chosen to take the belt from. But is how long can you hold yourself back? Because being a champ, there's a huge, and Tyron said himself, there's a huge difference between being a challenger and a champion. Yeah. And, of course, I, I need I needed to have my family in that yeah. that argument. I, I need I need to get them to that status to where now I'm setting my daughter up. I'm setting yeah. my, my everyone up for you know life, better life forever. And I couldn't continue to hold that back. So yeah, it was unfortunate that I had to take that from him. And I kind of, in a sense, I felt like I was taken away from what he was doing for them. So when I saw her walking backstage, I just couldn't control it. I just let my, I just let go, and I just can't help but cry on her shoulders. Yeah. This is a great. It's a great video. What what is her name? Was woman's name? The actress is Roma Downey. Roma yeah, Downey. That's yeah, right. yeah, that's her. The, the the video is amazing because she's hugging you and she's telling you congratulations and she's telling you that they're coming. They're going to be coming for you. So train hard. Yeah. Yeah. And just like her attitude, man, it's it's beautiful, man. It's well, it's it's amazing her character that she handled that. I mean, this is her baby. Her baby <laughs> just lost and lost every round, and it was a you know pretty dominant victory by you. And for her to treat you that way afterwards just shows right, am- amazing character. Yeah, and it's there. It, it is it right rem- here. Yeah, you can it see rem- it up here. Look at her. She just embraces you, open arms. It's all good. It's all good, baby. Look at that. Amazing. That's an amazing woman right there. Keep on working, cause it's gonna come for you, and you take it to him. It's all good. Wow, that's amazing, man. Yeah. And even Tyron, the way Tyron handled it's crazy, right? It makes me cry. Something in the air over here. What's going on? (laughs) Yeah, I got it. Dude, I got it too. (laughs) Made me cry when I saw it. It's making me cry now. Yeah, man. Um, And, and, And the way she treated Tyron too, the same thing. I mean, she's just. That's and that that's that's kind of that's how my mom is too. That so I felt such a connection to that to her because yeah. my mom is the exact same way. My mom would have done the same thing to Tyrant, and um, it just it was powerful, man. It was it was moving, and because it's 
And it goes to attest to how how the sport has how big this sport is as well. Yeah, like it's not oh man, it's a, just a regular fight. You guys hate each other and you're fighting. No, this was a competition. Yeah, you know, this was two men that went in there to, for a competition, and one guy won. And you know, you saw the aftermath to see the family people, receive each other. Man. People they, love that, man. They love when people put all that bullshit aside. <clears throat> I mean, you guys had a lot of trash talk at the press conferences and there was a lot of that going on but that sells tickets and it's good for everybody and it's it's natural and normal but after it was over it was nothing but respect and it's what a lot of people think is wrong about the trash talk of this era because there's this is a there's an era right now right is this, yeah, this, we're in the yeah. trash talk era absolutely and some people are really good at it and some people are terrible at it <clears throat> but it seems like everybody's trying i mean mas vidal um re- recently when he just beat darren till it was very interesting because you know his take on it before the fight was why am i why why trash talk like what are we doing what do we you know why we're gonna fight like what is all this bullshit about like he doesn't like it he was like i, I don't like wh- where this is going i don't like where the sport is going yeah i mean it was it's one of those things that i had to adjust to Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't brought on those principles. I don't. I'm not. You know. I, You're I'm not here. Yeah, I wasn't here for a salesman. Right. Like people ask me all the time, "Why do you do this?" And I chose to do this. Like I'm college educated. I can get a fucking job and, and, and sit in an office and, and punch numbers and all that. But I chose to do this because of my burning desire to compete. That's when I even now when I compete with guys. I'm not competing angry. I don't want to kill this guy. I'm not rah, rah, rah and all that shit. No, it's competition for me. My mind is I'm going to beat you. And which is partially, which goes to attest with how I fight and how I compete. I'm not like that. This is not the only thing that I can do. And so this era came about where now everybody, you got to talk shit. You got to sell. You got to do this and do that. And so. Do you feel any pressure to do that? Initially, at some point I did because it was, um, I was fighting the way I was fighting. I was dominating guys and I was getting nowhere. Right. It was like no notoriety. They were kind of like just kind of putting you on the wayside. They would always tell me, oh, you get a top 10 guy. You'll get a top 10 guy. But it wouldn't happen. It was like, oh, you, you fight this guy. And you can't really argue with them because this promotion is giving you the opportunity to even really make money at all for the career path that you chose. So... For for a while, I just felt like, man, this is not. I guess I just got to do this because you saw it. The other clown, Covington, he had to do that. He yeah. absolutely had. Nothing has changed with the way that he fights. He's done the exact same thing since he'd been in the UFC. But after the first couple of fight, no one gave a shit. So he felt, you know what? No, I'm just gonna have to start doing this. Right. Everyone knows it's fake. Right. Because he just one day woke up and started doing it, and that's that's the thing now. You have to do, people try to say you have to do that. But for me is, what I'm not going to do is, I'm not going to just sell my soul just to, oh yeah, I'm just trying to earn a couple bucks because I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it the right way. George did it the right way. And and, and I'm a firm believer that when you do it the right way, you will earn what you deserve. It will come to you at some point. I don't think that you have to. I really don't. Yeah, so, I mean, Kobe Covington does because he, that dude freaking well, he, sucks. He, he, cho- <laughs> <laughs> he chose. But like, you got to give it to him. He did beat those Anjos. That was a big victory. He did beat Damian Maya. That was a big victory. Absolutely. Those are those are two legit victories over two very dangerous guys. He did beat those guys. Yes, absolutely. So he's got skill on top of the trash talking. But the trash talking 
bumped him ahead of you in yeah. line, and yeah. a lot of us were surprised. You know, yeah. I was surprised. I yeah. was surprised. I mean, it, that he had to do, he had to do it, and I, I mean, it's gotten him where he has. And I mean, look what he did last two weeks ago when I fought. Mm-hmm. His whole his whole deal was for me to create an uproar to right. get my name back in the picture, and he did a wonderful job. This is one thing that I will I will I would say is that he has done a wonderful job at having people talk about him whether right. you hate him which and, and even the bosses have said the exact same thing is no one has done what he's done no one has ever created the persona that is unanimously hated <laughs> worldwide <laughs> like unanimously there's not right. even he's a heel like he's, a wrestling yeah, heel like literally a yeah. heel like those guys who were, they still had fans you know that yeah. wanted to see him succeed like nobody like he's not safe anywhere no you know you don't even have to be there's flyweights that want to hurt this guy <laughs> you know so he's unanimously yeah. has he's done a good job of creating that which I love and I, I appreciate that it's gonna sell I'm, a lot of pay-per-views when I'm you guys a, fight yeah I'm not a hater I'm not yeah. a hater like I give credit where credit is due I appreciate the fact that he's done that and, and that's one thing that Rashad taught me over the years is that you, you have to appreciate certain things like that and I, and I do I always wanted this moment I always wanted that Connor and Khabib that, mm-hmm. that, that adversary that Rashad and Rampage that Hughes and, and, and George St. Pierre like I always wanted that and and he's done a good job of creating that so you, not just an adversary in terms of like a legitimate worthy opponent but a dude that you want to fuck up. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I haven't I haven't been in a fight yet where it was like malicious. Like I was maliciously trying to hurt someone. Right. I, I haven't been in that fight yet. Yes, I don't. That's the thing about me is with my mind. My mind is strong. I don't compete. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to kill this guy. And then you swing five punches. You miss. Now you're dead tired. Yeah. I don't compete like that. This one, I'm still going to compete as myself, but there's going to be a letter extra oomph <laughs> behind these these elbows. Now I'm going to fillet your face with a little longer cuts. I'm I'm trying to. This one is going to be one that I, I really enjoy. Well, there was the same with Khabib and Connor when he said, "I want to change your face." Yes. When he I, said that, I was like, "Damn, that's deep." I want to change your face. And you saw that even when, when Khabib was like that. Yeah. Is um. Khabib was never out of character. And Khabib no. never was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go out there and try to kill this guy. Right. We, there's a certain level. There's a certain mentality that mm-hmm. certain fighters have to have. And Khabib is a, another guy that I've seen that competes similarly to the way that I do as far as his mind, mm-hmm. where it's at. Like, I don't give a shit what you do. Talk about me. Do all this. Try to distract me. Like, they tried me. This whole com- leading up to the Tyrant fight, they did everything. What are you going to do? And then you had his, his little psychic that looked like Sideshow Bob that was, was talking and doing this, trying to distract me. And, this. And, and then Kobe popped up trying to distract me. That didn't change anything. That's not going to do nothing to me. Like My mind is on competing. I'm going to compete to the best of my abilities. And I'm going to embarrass you. And then this guy is going to be even more worth it the big change in your skill set from your first fight in the ufc to now is your striking your wrestling has always been outstanding your cardio has always been excellent but your striking is much more fluid and much looser you're you you're much more efficient now it's, you was you were always powerful but it seems like now everything's falling together like you don't have any holes in your game anymore it's a different yeah. thing yeah joe um i've been with my i've been with my same team since the start 
the same guys that I've been with. Um, you know, Glenn Robinson started our gym. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. he passed away. You know, rest in peace to Glenn. Um, when did he die? I didn't even know he, he died uh, last year. Yeah, he died last year. I didn't uh, even know. A, yeah, he had a, a heart attack, man. And um, it's, it was sad. I couldn't really believe that it happened, you know, but it did. And uh, I like to say he's in a better place, you know, but um, yeah, he passed and he was the, he started all this, you know, him and Rashad Evans. Mm -hmm. Rashad needed a new place when he was leaving Jackson's and um, right. and Glenn was kind of like they, they got together and decided to, to start this. And it's Rashad Evans at the top of the game. Who doesn't want to train with Rashad Evans? Right. And so it kind of spread like wildfire to where everyone started going down there. But, yeah, I, I've been with the same guy. Henry Hooft just came down at that time. Henry Hooft was a striking coach. I've been with him since. You know, He's um, a phenomenal coach, too. Amazing coach. I Such mean, a good striking coach. So those, those Dutch fundamentals, I mean, that yeah. guy's got it down. Yeah, and a lot of, you know, there's a, I've, I've seen a lot of different coaches, different styles. I don't, you know, I like I like a lot of different things, but. The thing with Henry is he's, he's he's very basic because at the end of the day, when you're fucking tired and and you can't even hold your arms up and do certain things, you're just gonna do basic regular shit. Yeah, just, oh, jab, right, two, one, two. That's what you're gonna do. No, he's gonna and keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, yeah, he's very like that. He keeps it simple, and that was a way for me to learn it. Mm -hmm. it's just from the from the bottom up i just i learned it now now don't get it wrong joe i can do some of that cool shit like in practice i'll do cartwheel kicks i'll do the all that cool shit Same i can do that shit. yeah that reverse loopy loop <laughs> front yeah. side side taekwondo kick i can try it you know <laughs> do you but, think ever about like moments in fights there are moments in fights where a, a fighter will do something bet the best example is Chris Weidman versus Luke Rockhold. Chris Weidman tries this wheel kick out of nowhere, and he misses with it. Luke gets a hold of him, drags him to the yes. ground, and beats the shit out of him. Yeah. And it was a Luke has a nasty top game. I Absolutely, mean, his yeah. top game is crushing, and he just he just ruthless ground and pound, and it changed the course of Chris's career in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like that beating went on. I mean, he lost the title. And then he lost other fights afterwards. But before that, he was dominating. He had beaten Anderson twice. He had crushed Vitor. He was a different thing. And that it just there's these moments, these pivotal moments in fights when someone just tries something. I mean, most of the time you just get away with it. Yeah. But sometimes, like, and that is my go-to when I tell people, don't try some shit that's not your thing. This is the best example. Chris Weidman throwing that wheel kick against Luke Rockhold. Yeah, you got to... Um and, and that's part of everything that's grouped in with fight IQ. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to assess risk reward and certain things like that. Mm -hmm. And that, that's kind of, at some point, it was a knock on me. It's like, oh, this guy never gets out of position. He never does any of the cool shit or any of that. You know, it was kind of Who's a lot of Who's giving you that knock? Fucking people. You can't listen you to know? them. Come to I me. Know, Joe, <laughs> Come I know, Joe. I, I listen to I you say like, that all the time. I was like, he's doing everything perfect. Like, yeah, like. I was saying a long time ago, it's like, this guy's not fucking up. Yeah. Like he keeps running through guys and he's beating guys like a world champion already. Yeah, a lot of people always kind of, you know, like, oh, he didn't do all this. He's not doing all that. But the thing with me is is being able to assess when, when I can do that, when, mm -hmm. when I, I can't do that. Right. Like when I fought RDA, I threw a freaking axe kick in the fifth round. Right. You know, I and I was, I practiced that in practice. I, I catch guys with it all the time. And it's just being able to assess you had him. You already had him. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew that there was 
you know, this is an opportunity for me to start letting go. Yeah. And so I started letting go. And I mean, RDA is a tough, tough dude. Very tough. Tough dude. He's a Freaking tweener, right? hard head. He seems like he's a tweener to me. Like, he's not quite a 170. I mean, he could beat a lot of guys yeah. at 170, but it's almost like he should be like 160 or 165. But, yeah. But 155 is too hard of a cut for him these days. Yeah. But the thing is, that's, that's just, that's the nature of the game. Yeah. Because if we, if we started saying, okay, we're, we're going to accommodate everybody, it's never going to stop. Do you think there should be more weight classes? Well, you I don't, don't care. You're I don't care. No, well, I mean, <laughs> 170 it, works for you. Yeah. I, no, it's still a hard cut. Is it? No, it, it's a hard cut. 190, yeah, 180, 180, 88 to 190. Believe it or not, like for most people that are listening to this, that's on the light side. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, yeah. I know it is. But the thing is, I'm so lean and I'm 180. I'm walking around below 6% body who fat. Who do you, oh wow, who do you use to cut to for a weight cut? Um, for the last couple of fights, man, I've been working with uh, Clint. Clint Wittenberg up at the PI oh, the and UFC Trifecta. Yeah, and Trifecta. I like Clint a lot. Yeah, and Clint, man, what Clint's is a man. Trifecta food system. Trifecta. They essentially, you know, the meal delivery, meal prep stuff. Oh, okay. And they, they do a phenomenal job. Phenomenal. And Clint, the reason I chose to go with him is I've always did it by myself. I like to cook. I, I cook for myself. I always you know, when all those fights, earlier fights in the UFC, every one of my fights, I was in charge of my own diet. I cook for myself. I do this because I've done it so many years in wrestling all the wrong way. Mm. I can look at myself. I can wake up in the morning, look at myself in the mirror and tell how much I weigh and I'll be right on just because I'm so used to my body. So I know what I can or I can't eat, what, what can hold food, what can hold water. And it's just it's a discipline thing for me as well. And so I, so I decided, you know what? I'm getting higher up now. One thing that I don't understand is that I haven't done the research is, is what foods to eat before a certain practice at certain times to fuel mm. me the best, to make me help, help me feel the best. Cause I'm getting older and, and things aren't the same. They, the way they How used to be. Now? I'm 31 and I'm gonna be 32 in May. And I'm like, man, I just what, don't what feel What differences like, have you noticed? A, a lot of difference. Yeah. Like at 24, I just fucking wake up at 6 a.m. and I can go for a freaking five-mile run like that with nothing. Now I can't do that anymore. Do you think that is age or do you think that is miles? Like all it, the hard it's, training? It's a, com it's a combination Because 31, you're in your athletic prime. Yeah, it's a combination of both because in wrestling years, I, I got to be in the late 40s. I mean, he's wrestling years. Right, right. I'm uh, late for it. I mean, back is, is are shot. My, you know, my shoulders are shot. My knee, my knees. Oh my God, my knees. I've had five knee surgeries. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I saw you limping. Did you have one recently? I just had surgery. Actually, um, I had surgery on Tuesday. Oh, that's um, a hernia, Tuesday, right? I had a double hernia. Jesus. Yes. So did you fight with a double hernia? I, I tore it before, like five weeks before the fight. And, um, but I don't know if it was completely off. You had a hernia and a broken foot for yeah, that fight? That yeah. is fucking crazy. The funny thing is, and, and Ali makes fun of me about this, my manager, is uh, like all fight week, like if you saw me, you would think this guy was like a zombie. Like I, I'm, I limp around, I freaking lidocaine patches on me, and I'm in a boot or, or sleeve. And, and all I do all day is I go do the media rounds or whatever I need to do training come back and i'm just in my room either game ready on me or or something on me but when i walk through that door to fight the nigerian nightmare wakes up i flip the switch and a lot of people would would if they go back and look at videos of when i walk into the cage i, st I step right before the cage i pray say my prayer for protection 
And when I walk in, I just freaking don't. If it's like I flip that switch. Do you have a, a prayer that you say every time? Yeah. You have the, the exact same thing. Yeah. What do you say? Similar along those lines. I just I basically just a prayer for protection, prayer for me to be able to display the best of my abilities. It's never I because I'm not selfish. It's not I'm not getting in that prayer. Please let me win. No, it, it's please protect me in here so I can go back to my family safe and sound and protect my opponent as well and give me the strength to be able to display the best of my abilities. And that's it. And once I freaking walk through that door, I'm the freaking Nigerian nightmare. I just, that's you it. You feel like a different person when I you am. walk onto the cage? I am. And you see it in my face. I'm I'm good and Danny, but when I walk in, it goes away. I I just I transform into that person. Yeah, I think a lot of people would be surprised at how friendly and easygoing you are outside. People can't tell, and that's the thing now is there's really I haven't I don't I don't there's no change in me. I'm still the same freaking guy. I since I I haven't done anything since the fight. Nothing. People are like asking me, "Have you gone out and partied and this and that with the bell?" <laughs> nah, I haven't done shit. <laughs> you sleep with it? I, I, no, my daughter. I brought it for my daughter. My oh. daughter did, but I didn't. I didn't do anything. I just sit on the couch, watch TV, go back, maybe go to the uh, the shop that I, I like to take my daughter to get uh, get French toast. She loves this one place, so I take her there. Come back. That's it. Or maybe take her to a date night. The only difference is now a lot of the people are starting to recognize me more. So, like, I'm walking out of the movies. People will stop me. Hey, can I get a picture? Can I get a picture? Yeah, of course. You know, but nothing changed. I'm the same freaking guy. I haven't got a chance to do anything. I had surgery last Tuesday. I've been in bed for weeks. So, I haven't done anything. But I don't think anything is going to change. I'm the same guy. Well, you, know? you sound like you have the perfect attitude. Like, the idea that you're having making a prayer to just do your best and not be hurt and not have your opponent hurt and protect you and your opponent. That's, that is a beautiful attitude. And the fact that the way you're approaching this, I mean, you're just, you're just here to compete and to do your very best. All the, you, you're free of the burden of a lot of bullshit that some people carry around with them. Joe. And I was thinking about this on the way up is um, a lot of, a lot of those fighters, a lot of those champions, like after a while, you you they they feel this certain pressure yeah. to to be able to do this or that, mm -hmm. and 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 some of the examples that I gave is there's so much pressure on Anderson Silver. I almost felt like he couldn't wait to lose. Yeah, he was just like it's like a pressure the way you just want to put it down. You know, Matt, and you then, said that yeah, to me when BJ Penn beat him. Yeah, you he just, said it was just so just much pressure. Is that actually? And I feel like relieved. It's, it was so much pressure. George St. Pierre ran away from the sport because yeah. of that pressure. Yeah, you know, some people. For me, I don't feel shit. <laughs> like <laughs> I was just, I was just thinking. I was like. I don't care. Like, it, it, look at this fight now, the Covington fight. Right. Everyone's already bringing, making a big deal out of it. It's another fight for me. I don't even think of myself as, oh, you're the champion. I don't care. I just want to beat this guy up. Do you think that it, you will care, though, when the media obligations and all that shit happens? Or do you think you'll just be able to zen your way through all that shit? Um, I would be lying to say n I would never care. I would be, I would, I think that would be doing it injustice. But I feel like, I go to cer certain people. Like I have some of my go-to people that I, I get to. They're, I call them my mental coaches. And like Rashad, the biggest thing with that I learned, I talked to Rashad about is Rashad was always pouring into me. Like, man, just enjoy, man. Enjoy the ride. You'd be okay with that feeling. Because there, there was a certain time where I was a little more nervous than usual. I was, I was nervous for what? One, I think, I can't remember the fight. 
And I was nervous. And Rashad was like, man, just make friends with that feeling. Be okay with it. Make friends with the feeling mm. of being like, understand that it's okay to feel that way. Yeah. And just be okay with it. And so that I, I go back to those feelings. And even there was an exercise when I was wrestling. I was living at the Olympic Training Center. I was training. And I started feeling all this pressure that that a lot of people put on me. Oh, you're a Division II guy. You can't be Olympic champion. You can't do this. You can't do that. And uh, my coach at the time, Brendan Slay, was like, yeah, a lot of people made, you know, made put that pressure on me when I was competing too. And said that, oh, you're too short. You you can't beat these guys. You can't beat Bovesa Satiev, the you know the most famous Russian wrestler of all time. And and they were saying you can't beat him. You can't do this. You can't do that. And he said one exercise he should do is he'll think of all these negative thoughts because people start saying it in your mind. It, it's, it goes into your mind, you know. Especially now when all these fans tweet shit and, and say stuff to you, you read it. Yeah. If you read it, it's in there. And so one thing he said he should do is just. Put all those thoughts in a, just imagine this, envision this glass jar. You just put them all in the jar, shut the lid, grab a big sledgehammer, and you just smash it. And it sounds silly, but I was like, oh. It wasn't until a little while after I started kind of doing that. So when I started doubting myself, man, can I do it? Can I do it? Oh, man, this guy, he can beat me. I mean, what if he knocks me out and embarrasses me in front of everyone? Then I'm like, snap the fuck out of it, man. Put it in that jar. Put it in that jar and smash it. I'm like, have fun with it, man. You're supposed to feel like this. Rashad said you're supposed to feel like this. Yeah, man. It's, yeah, and I just take a deep breath. I smile, and I just I snap back in. And Eddie Alvarez also is uh, it's like someone I consider a brother. And these are the guys that, that I go to for when I'm starting to feel down. And I, I talked to Eddie quite a few times before this last fight. When I start feeling a little bit of pressure, I talk to them. And they just kind of they snap me back. Were you were you getting frustrated that you weren't being considered amongst the top contenders when you were undefeated? You were dominating all these people, and you were seeing like <clears throat> when the when Wonder Boy got two shots, and then you know you saw the Damian Maya fight and these uh, all these other fights. Was that was that hard for you? Yeah, it it was. It was a time where I'm not gonna lie, Joe. I was like, why the fuck am I doing this? I'm you. I'm gonna keep fighting for. 25 and 25 30 right. and 30 right what what the thing is what a lot of people don't understand is they think oh man it's that 15 minutes that you're out there or that 25 minutes you're out there training and fighting and that's it you know you got paid 10 and 10 bro you just did i just did a five month training camp to where i had to eat right for five months for twenty thousand dollars yes if you win for, if you win and on, on top of it, it it's that's society so backwards nowadays. To eat clean food is more expensive. So for me to just eat clean for five months, I'm already five, ten grand in the hole. On top of it, you got bills coming every month. That's not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, that just to train for these fights, I've spent more than that. And you have taken more damage than that because that's when you really take damage. I'm sparring and when I, I fractured my foot, that happened the last week. In training, my last barn session, I kicked someone in the face. Boom, my foot's gone. How you know, bad was the foot? It was it was bad. It was at first I just figured, you know, it's like Muay Thai, like you kick shins and elbows all the time, and you mm -hmm. know you get the little fractures. But that you know you wor work on it, and that's gone in a week. But this one just wasn't going away. The swelling kept coming back and coming back. So I'm starting freaking out. I'm like, oh shit, I think I really broke something. 
and and so I start freaking out. And then a day or two, three days, four days, I get it worked on. I have a, a really special compression socks that I have on it the whole, at all times. And I'm icing this thing four times a day, and it's not going away. I'd wake up, the swelling would be bigger. I'm like, oh, man, I did damage. So And then I kept walking on it. And I haven't, because I, I have to practice because I got to keep that weight down. I got to keep that metabolism right. going. And so I'm just like, man, there's no way I'm not fighting. Like you only get an opportunity once. If I call and say, I'm pulling out of this, I might not ever get a shot again. Right. And so I'm like, I'm going to fight. And there was no doubt in my mind of, of what I could do. I, I was just I, it's gonna happen I'm, I'm already dealing with the hernia situation and and so I'm like screw it and and thing about me is I haven't ran in three years Joe I have because not, of your knees yeah my knees are so bad I have not ran how in the three fuck years. do you have such good cardio what are you doing for cardio Bro, I everything I do I do freaking hard I guess I do it freaking hard I'm on that air diet and and mm. man shout out to my strength and conditioning coach Dr. Corey Peacock man he's also on it too I mean Doc Corey is a we put in, we put in some time, man. And it's not just him; it's it's my coaches. With Greg, Greg Jones, when we wrestle, we wrestle. I wrestle freaking hard. And when I I can't do it often anymore, but I I wrestle hard. When I because hit pads, yeah. When I hit pads, I hit pads hard with Henry. Everything that I do in my mind, I try to do it at the speed that I would want to do it in a fight, right. or even greater. Because my whole mentality is, when you get tired, when people get tired, that's your threshold. Mm-hmm. That's where you're at. So that's why your body feels like that. Oh, I'm tired. This is as far as I can go. I try to get to that as fast as possible. Boom. Because then everything after that is extra. Right. I just push, push that conditioning more and more and more. So I just freaking go hard. Everything that I do, I do it hard. Of course, I do it smart, but I do it hard. But I haven't ran, Joe, in almost three years. That is crazy because one of the most impressive things about the fight is you never let your foot off the gas. And in the fourth round, I think it was, when you had Tyron Hurt and you really started pouring it on, I was like, okay, he's trying to finish this fight. How how much gas is he going to have left in the tank? Because you know that sometimes when someone tries to finish someone and they can't, they're done. Yeah. You know, you poured it on, you took a couple of deep breaths, then right back on him. I'm like, damn, that's some serious fucking cardio. Yeah, Joe. Because you were sprinting. <laughs> My mind, I, I watched that back. I was like, what the fuck was I doing? I was swinging like wild, wild man, just because I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and I'm, I'm, it's like I was sprinting towards it, but then it caught me getting dimmer and dimmer. I was like, oh shit, fucking slow down. Tyron's You're still going to get there. Man, he was tough. He's because, tough um, as fuck. He ate some big shots. And uh, people didn't really see it, what happened, what started that transition. We were in the clinch. I had him in the, in the tie clinch. And I think he was trying to work on my body. And I hit him with the knee. I hit him with another knee. And in my mind, I just remember some of the trainings that I've been through. I've been in that situation in training. And uh, I used to train with uh, Cosmo Alexander, mm. Muay Thai guy. I mean, yeah. Freaking amazing. And one thing that he would show me is how Muay Thai guys would sneak in elbows. And so I, I'm in there and I'm like, I'm, I'm, Tyron's not really getting out of this. So I'm like, freaking let me try it. And this elbow that you throw, it's a sideways elbow. And I'm in there, I throw a knee in, and I just do the sideways elbow. And it doesn't look hard. It doesn't look crazy or anything like that. But it was like side of the head. And I just felt it land. And I'm I'm trying to, because you got to read fast. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to read him. I'm trying to assess him. I'm like, is he hurt? Because he kind of stumbled back. But Tyron has a very good poker face. So he has this nonchalant face on 
And I'm trying to read him. I'm like, wait, wait. So I kind of fake a little fake at him to see if he's trying to set me up for a big shot. And I fake. He doesn't throw anything. He keeps hands. I'm like, oh, shit. So I throw a jab and I throw a, 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 a right hand. I threw it across his guard to hit him. And he really didn't, the look didn't change. It didn't look like he was out there. I was like, oh, shit, he's hurt. Freaking, let's go. Let's, <laughs> it's go time. And I remember I talked to Eddie Alvarez, and I asked him why did he freak out like that when he had RDA hurt. And Eddie was just like, man, I saw that light at the end of the tunnel, and I just freaking, I had to empty the tank. And I'm like, fuck it, empty the tank. Let's go. This is my moment. Empty the tank. So I'm throwing like a madman. And Tyron is taking it all, and he's tough as shit. I'm like, damn, he's not going down. And there was a couple of times he was rocked. It looked like he could have went down. And all I had to do is really settle back and hit him with clean shots. But I wasn't even fucking thinking about that. I was just like, get this guy out of here now. This is what I wanted to do. Put the stamp on it. Let's freaking do it. It was a hell of a barrage. Yeah, and I'm throwing, I'm throwing, I'm throwing. And I'm like, <sighs> <laughs> red line red line the mm -hmm. gas tank is on e it's on e it's on e which is the only reason i even shot in to for a shot i was yeah. like, and then i heard my coaches saying take him down <laughs> so when they realized yeah. i wasn't freaking knocking him out they were like take it down i was like, <gasps> Let me grab his legs and i grabbed his leg and tried to but that was the thing i could recover pretty quickly so you recovered very quick because it was one of those pivotal moments in a fight where i was like man if tyron doesn't go out here how much does he have left? I you knew I, I was I was scared because I was like, I know he knows he's probably down three to four rounds. Yeah, and I knew I was like I was I was in a sense waiting for him to just start snap letting go, yeah, to snap out of it. But that's the one thing you you never really give yourself enough credit with your game is with my game is I feel like I um, I put people in a in a trance in, in like a certain stage to where they just know getting out of it, and I. And that, that's kind of been a knock on me. People are saying, oh, you're not finishing fights. You're not doing this. You're, you're not submitting guys. You're not knocking them out. This is my mentality on that. And, and this has been since I was wrestling. As they were wrestling, you could pin guys really quick, do slick moves and pin guys. But then the guys would get up and say, oh, man, i never seen that move before. He caught me in this slick move. That's why he got me. Now I'm going to get him next time. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get him. And the same thing with a fight. It's like, Man, I had my hand down, and he caught me sleeping. So he caught me with a shot. It was a lucky shot. He's not never going to do that shit to me. If I Next time, I'm going to get him. Or he caught me with a slick submission. i never seen that before. I'm going to train for it next time. He's going to I'm, I'm stop him. My thing is, even the wrestling, what I always wanted to do is I wanted to tech fall guys in wrestling. And tech fall, what that means is when you're beating someone by 15 points, you have a 15-point gap, they stop the match because it's basically a skunk. Like, you skunked this guy. Like, he sucked. That, like, you were beating him that bad. They had to stop it. That is my mentality. That is always what I strive for. And in 2011, I believe I, uh, not 2011, 2009, I led the nation, Division One, Two, II, and Three, NAI, whatever, in Tech Falls. I think at one point, me and Brett Metcalf was battling. Like, every week I would look and see who had the most Tech Falls. It was me, it'd be him, be me, him. And I had the most because that's my was my goal. I wanted to skunk guys. Because in their mind, what it says is, you can't fuck with that guy. There's, you can't hang with him. There was nothing you can do. It, not, it, didn't, it wasn't a quick pin, a lucky pin, right. or, or this. Like, he destroyed you. 
he just set levels apart. And that's what I do even in fighting now. I do the exact same thing is I would much rather dominate you from start to finish. I want to break you. I don't want, when you think about fighting me again, it's not, you don't, I don't want you to, you, I want you to say, fuck, no, I don't, I should, no, shit, no. He beat me everywhere. He broke me. He took something from me because you're going to think about, you only remember the fights you lose. You know, like I've been so many guys in wrestling. I can't tell you maybe 30 guys that I beat in wrestling. I don't have no idea. But the ones you lose, you can almost tell everyone. And that's what my, my take on it. I want to dominate you so bad when you think about fighting me again, you don't. You say, fuck that. I'll pass on that fight. And so people are like, oh, man, this guy doesn't really finish guys. But how many guys want to fight me again? Not a lot of them. Do you have one loss in MMA? Yes, I do. One loss, right? Yeah, I have one loss Who's in my two? second fight. Um, uh, Caceres. I forget his name. Uh, I forget his first name. Um, it's the Caceres. Jose, is it Jose Caceres? His no, brother? Alex Caceres. Ale yeah, it's Jose. Cause his name is Jose Caceres. Alex Caceres. Old, I think it's older brother. Oh, yeah, and and uh, man, it was. Uh, I took the fight on like a two weeks notice or something like that because it was like eight months in between. I fought my first fight, and I thought, see, that's the thing with, M with fighters coming into MMA now. This is a lesson to you guys. Everyone feels like, oh, I'm just gonna jump in and it's gonna be peachy. I'm gonna be getting fights every other week, every other month. N no. So I fought my first fight, and I thought, okay, this is great. My career is kick starting. I'm gonna be doing fights every so often. I went through twenty, like twenty-two opponents within my first fight before I got the second fight. Wow! Because now you know it's Google now. Everyone, oh fuck, right. he's a national champion wrestler. Now nah, I don't want to fight that because everyone wants to get to right. the UFC and they figure, oh, it's the best record. You want to be undefeated to get to the UFC, so nobody wants to fight anyone that's hard. Right. And so, of course, at that point, I was a wrestler. I could take anyone down, hold them down for three rounds, and win fight. So everyone, no one wanted that fight. So. It was months and months went by, and then that fight came about. I was just like, shit, I'll take it. And I'll be honest, I never grappled before that. I never did jujitsu. And so I figured, I can wrestle my way through all this shit. Like, man, fuck these guys. These guys are all low-level guys. You know, look who I train with. I train with Rashad Evans and these guys. Mm -hmm. Those guys can't touch me. I get in a fight. I throw a one-two. His legs are there. I hit him with a one-two, boom, boom double leg like live within 15 seconds boom threw him down full mount and i'm kind of throwing punches i didn't really know what i was doing i'm throwing punches and i'm trying to elbow him and jose caceres like i think six two six one six i don't know he's well taller than me long limbs he throws his legs i'm in full mount he throws his legs around my body mm. I never seen no shit like that before. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> my mind at that time was like, what is, oh shit, what, what's this shit? I, I didn't know what to do. So I'm like, so I start kind of panicking in my mind. I don't know what to do. I'm like, fucking get out, which is what you don't do. Right. So I turn my body. I'm trying to like get up and walk out, which is what you don't do. And so he just basically climbed up my back. Boom. We're not even sweating yet. Boom. He's on my back. I'm standing up with the backpack on. He's six something. He has a foot on the ground, one foot wrapped around me. He's fighting for the choke. And I, I think I hold him off for another like minute and a half. I'm standing and I'm fighting this choke. All the while I'm thinking like, oh shit. 
<laughs> I can't go down because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing down there as well. Right. So I don't really know the defense down there. So if I go down, that just might make it worse. I don't know the defense. And this dude looks like he knows what he's doing behind me. He's got a few more. He's got a few fights. And I'm I'm kind of scared, and I'm fighting it. Now I'm standing up. My feet are getting heavy. It's getting shaky. I'm like, I'm, I'm a strong guy. Why the fuck are my feet shaking? Because they're starting to fill up with blood. My adrenaline is pumping. And I'm just like, oh, shit. I'm about to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, there's this moment in your mind to where you start to come to realization with certain things. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit, I'm about to lose. And what and then I start thinking about random thoughts. And one of the thoughts that I thought thought about was before the fight, we had a commission meeting in the back, and the commission said, if you get choked unconscious, you're suspended for six months. So you can't fight for six months. Cause in my mind, I'm like, fuck this, I'm a tough guy. I'm you gotta put me to sleep. I ain't never tapping. Right. So I'm like if I get, it took me eight months to get this fight. And it's a short notice fight. I haven't made money in eight months. I'm broke as shit. I sleep and I, I'm, I live with Rashad. I live with another man. I'm broke as shit. I have no money. I need money. So if I can't fight for another six months, I have no money. So all these thoughts are going through my mind. And I hear Alex Caceres on the other side of the cage screaming, He's going to tap. He's almost out. And I'm like, fuck. Am I going to tap? <laughs> I'm like, fucking well played, Alex. Now I'm thinking about tapping just for that shit. Oh, oh man. And, and I just saw it going down. And I'm like, you can't be suspended for six months, bro. I know you want to be tough right now. You want to go to sleep, but you can't be suspended for six months, bro. You have to, you got to, you know, you got to make money. You're broke. I fucking tapped, yo. I fucking tapped. I never felt so... I don't want to say emasculated, if that's the word. I never mm -hmm. felt so, like, like I just... That's why I said, like, win or lose, it takes something from you. And I walked out of that fight. I went to the back. I paced for, like, maybe two, three hours in the back. All the fights fi finished up, and I finally went to the locker room, got my stuff, and, and came out. But I just paced back and forth. And the feeling in my mind was, I am never going to feel like this again. I do not ever want to feel like this. And ever since then, I got a fucking gi. I never had a gi before. I got a gi. I started training with George Santiago, my jiu-jitsu coach, Beautiful. every fucking morning. I was like, bro. I I'm, saw he gave you your black belt after the fight. He gave me my black belt. And, <laughs> and this is the thing is, I never, I, I never worried about that. I never worried about, like, yes, I was freaking beating up blue belts before i was even a white belt like yeah because i never did that skill right. trained in jiu-jitsu skills but like i knew how to grapple through certain things sure you know i've been grappling at a high, high level but it wasn't just jiu-jitsu so he kept challenging me like i was always because i want i want to be that guy i want to be the freaking blue belt that freaking works all the brown and black belts but he would freaking promote me he's like purple belt because you've been training, you're training the gi, I'm gonna promote you. So he kept challenging me and challenging me. So now people knew, I felt like all he was doing was alerting people of what to expect when they went <laughs> with me and for them to try to, to really fuck me up. And so he promoted me, um, I think a couple years ago, I was uh, brown belt, he promoted me, I think maybe two and a half, three years ago. And um, 
and then he promoted me to black belt. He just asked me to come in the gym. I didn't really even know. I just felt like, okay, man, he wants everyone to take pictures with the belt. And uh, he freaking gives me my black belt. Another thing just floored me. I was like, shit. I never knew. I never expected all of this. I just wanted to fucking compete. Right. I just wanted to be in martial arts, learn all this stuff and compete. I never knew that I would get a black belt. I never knew that I would win the the championship belt, be the best in the world at this I, at that time. So I never knew all that. How much did you adjust your training um, to incorporate jujitsu? Did you add more training sessions, or did you substitute? Absolutely. I I would. What I would do is, because I was living with Rashad at the time. So what I would do is, I would somehow get to the gym because Rashad was traveling a lot. This was at the height. He was doing a lot of different shows and stuff. And so I would go to the gym at 7 a.m. We'd have 7 a.m. practice. I think Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. George would have a class. And I would go and take that class. And then our pro class was, I think it was at 9. So I would just stay at the gym while the pros came in for the practice at 9. So I would go through that class as well. And then after that, whether lift on my own, strength and conditioning, right after that, and dumbass me that's what i'm saying i was 20 something at that time i wasn't eating in between all the sessions i wasn't doing any of this i was just freaking going 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 so you'd eat breakfast and that was it i i, I didn't eat breakfast at that time you didn't even eat breakfast i didn't even eat breakfast i would get up cold go to the gym workout then go and roll into the next session and workout then roll into strength and conditioning whatever i did on my own workout no food no food and then freaking go home eat a big meal snap then go back for the night session night practice and that's how it was for a long long time and rashad was would always come home and say hey man why don't you come out with me this weekend let's go let's go out let's go do something and i was always like nah man i gotta train on monday man i don't want to do all that i don't want to go out and rashad be like bro there's you gotta have balance in this it's got to be a balance and I was just thought at that time, like, oh, fuck that. You say that because you're the top. You're the champ. You're the best. So you say that. My whole thing was, I just need to work. I need to catch up. I need to catch up to these guys. I need to work. So I was just doing overtime, overtime, overtime. But, you know, now I understand what Rashad was saying. There has to be balance. Yeah. Absolutely. When did you adjust your eating? I think um, we got a strength and conditioning coach, Jake Bonacci. And Jake, amazing coach, man. He worked with a lot of the extreme couture guys, worked with like Randy and those guys back in the day. And uh, he's kind of started like, you You got to fuel yourself. He kind of started, you know, letting me in. And I seek, that's the thing about me. I seek knowledge. Like I'm always, I always want to learn. I always want to learn whatever I can. And I started learning like, oh shit, no wonder I was dead tired in that session. No wonder I had nothing left because I really didn't eat. I had no, no fuel. So I started kind of putting things in. And and the more and more, like I said, it wasn't until my last two or three fights that I started working with Trifecta and, and Clint Wittenberg. And just, you know, I seek knowledge. If whenever I can get knowledge, I, I, I take it. So these Trifecta folks, what kind of stuff they prepare for you? Man, they prepare my meals and they, they send it to me. They send me the, like I said, I like to cook for myself. Like so, they send you like a cooler, a prepackaged Yeah, they send, they send me the prepackaged food, but I'm not so much into the prepackaged stuff. Like, you know, just throwing in the microwave and eating. I'm not so much like that because I like, I like hot food. I want it to feel fresh. So they'll send me like the packages, like the protein and the chicken and, and the, the steak or, or the fish and things like that. And basically, I take it out, and my responsibility to take it out. I think it's pre-cooked, but I take it out, and 
I put it over the stove and make some, you know, veggies with it and other stuff that I want with it. And and I'll cook it that way. So it seems more like a, a fresh meal, even right. though it's kind of pre-made just for my mind. Right. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So um, do they have it broken down with a certain amount of calories for each meal, depending upon what kind of working out you're doing? Yeah, man. Clint, Clint broke it down. I, I give him my schedule for the week and he breaks it down like... This is what you need to eat. Four servings of protein, four servings of carb, fats, and this and that. Before your weightlifting session, before you're sparring, before this, you need this, this amount of sugar and this amount mm-hmm. of this, this amount of that. Man, it made a big difference because I would, there'd be certain practice, I, I would lift and I'm like, fucking, yeah, I feel good. I want to get out of there to where usually I hit a wall, like, boom, mm. fucking, this is miserable. You were and getting I just grind toughness. through it. Yeah, yeah, I just I just grind through it. That UFC Performance Institute is amazing. It's just incredible what they did. I mean, when they were just talking about building that, I was like, what is this going to be? Like, what are they doing there? Well, they're spending a lot of money. Yeah. Who knows what the fuck it's going to be? But then I, they took me on a tour of it. I was like, this is literally the ultimate training facility. In 10 years, it is still be up to date. It will still be like, fucking okay, incredible. this thing is now catching up. They have like, napping it's so far pods. Ahead. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they took me there. I was this like, bro, music I can just there. live here. Yeah, I know. You can right? literally live there. Well, a lot of people relocated to Vegas just to make that the center of their training. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen like Claudia Gadelia is down there. Mm-hmm. Um, Francis Ngannou Francis did Ngannou, a lot of training. Of course. But he trained for his last fight in France, I believe. Yeah, his his last two fights he did it in France. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, we, we, you know, like that's my boy. Like We, we talk all the time. and um, That's the scariest heavyweight of all time. Like, I don't understand what people are. Pe- a lot of people, like, especially after those last couple of fights, the Derek Lewis fights, people were like, like these fans, man. They were condemning him. Like, this guy is. is and, and Yeah, and but it's I one get, of those things you just got to give you gotta give him time to recover from the Stipe fight. He yeah. had a psychological yeah. block. Yeah. But he got over it with, with Curtis Blades. Oh, yeah. I mean, he stopped Curtis Blades, who was one of the best guys in the heavyweight division. Curtis is a big guy. Beast. Curtis was a beast He's as a beast. well. And, and even for this fight, everyone's like, oh. Kane's going. Kane's going to do. Kane's going to do. Kane's a better version of Stipe, and and I get it. Like I understand, Kane. Kane is the greatest we've ever heavyweight we've ever really seen. You know, I mean, you know, DC right now is that's an argument too. You know, but Kane was great, but Kane's been gone for almost three years, two and a half years, a long time. And people are putting all this pressure on him mm-hmm. that are expecting him to come back and be the same old Kane like nothing happened. Right. And I'm like, guys, like, and, and then not to come back, come back against the scariest heavyweight we've ever seen. Ever. Ever. I mean, oh, Francis. clip you a little bit. The first time he lifted weights was with me. What? Francis never touched weights. <laughs> ever. <laughs> the, and, that's, and, I, and that's the scary thing. You go to Africa and there, there's... There's millions of guys like like that walking around. I was saying that his story is like a it's like that Conan scene where Conan was like pushing the wheel. Like yeah. he was he was working in a sand mine, just digging sand. Yeah. And becoming this tank of a man. I mean, it's crazy. It's yeah, obviously I mean, superior genetics on top of that because you don't get to be two sixty five naturally. Yes. Just I mean, you have to have fantastic genetics. He's got that too, but his ability to land punches that just Put people away with like he can graze you and fuck you up. Absolutely, and and his speed. Too. Oh, 
people that like I tried to Alistair Overeem I tried to spar with him. I tried to spar with him once. Yeah, <laughs> for one seventy. Why was, are you sparring with him? It, I mean, it was just playing around, and that's the thing in our room. Like everybody spars with everybody, right. and he loves sparring with smaller guys. He loves it because of speed. and it's not yeah because it's not he's not trying to hurt anyone. Right. He's not trying to hurt you, but it's just he likes working on his speed. He's so fast. I think he's faster than me. <laughs> Forced like I, I mean it, it's and I'm like he's that's that so, fast with that so much crazy. power. I mean, if he even, and I said what I say, if he touch anywhere near this circumference right here, you're going to wake up and ask what happened. Well, that's what Kane was saying that he was, he didn't remember what happened when Francis, Francis apparently grazed him with the first punch near the back of of his head and Kane doesn't remember shit after that and then clipped him with that uppercut on the inside. Everyone was saying like, oh, he hurt his knee. That's what happened. No, he got hit with a punch in there. He got hit with a punch. It was a small, sharp punch. That's all it takes with that guy. But, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. What's what's amazing that Stipe weathered the storm. That's what's amazing. You got to give credit to Stipe. I mean, because Stipe weathered the storm when Francis was convinced he was going to put Stipe away after the Overeem destruction. I mean, he put Overeem into orbit. Yeah. to watch that, it was like, holy shit. And you think the striking credentials of Alistair. I mean, Alistair is glory heavyweight champion, strike force heavyweight champion, K1 Grand Prix. I mean, he won the three of the most prestigious titles in combat sports. And to have Francis clip him like that was just like, Jesus. That goes to a test to MMA. Mm-hmm. This is why the sport's so great. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you what, it's different. What you're good it's what you're good at. It, it's, it doesn't matter. Those mm. With those four-ounce gloves and, and, and being able to wrestle and grapple and do all yep. this, everything changes. It's an even playing field for everybody. Yeah. Now, if he just gets his wrestling on point, I mean... He's, it's he, it's crazy. He's only been doing MMA all told for what five years now. Yeah, five six years. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I made this switch around the same time. We had our first official UFC fight the same time. Wow. Yeah. In Orlando. What was your first year of your first fight? What was your first fight? My first fight, I think, was in twenty thirteen or twenty twelve. So seven years ago, which is crazy. Yeah. And how much striking had you done before your first fight? Not a lot. I mean, I mean, the thing with me is like I used to watch videos when I was convinced myself like I was going to start doing this. And this has been years in the making. Like I was I coached on season 14 of The Ultimate Fighter with uh, Bisping and uh, Mayhem Miller. I was uh, Mayhem's wrestling coach. Wow. So and that was the season with TJ Dillashaw, Mm -hmm. John Dotson, Dennis Bermudez and all these guys. And so at that point, I had started to uh, shout out to Ryan Parsons, man. Uh, Dr. Parsons, the one who brought me in. He was managing Mayhem at the time. And um, I love Ryan. Yeah, Ryan's a good dude. Guy. Super good guy, man. I loved Ryan. And uh, and I was, you know, I'd fiddle with it. I'd you know, throw my hands a little bit like, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. going to do this one day. You know, I just kind of playing around and playing around with it and so I love boxing. I love watching all that stuff. I was like, man, you know, maybe I'll do this stuff one day. But when I watched those guys go through the Ultimate Fighter, being here in Vegas, it, being in Vegas and in the house, I was like, yeah, no way. I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> Never. <laughs> not doing it. Even back then, you were thinking, I'm just going to wrestle. Yeah. Because at that time, I was living at the Olympic Training Center. I was mm-hmm. training for the Olympics. Right. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this shit. No, it's not so possible. So what was it that flipped the switch? Rashad. Really? Rashad. Um, 
the same time, I think 2011, I was still at the Olympic Training Center. I had gone back and um, just training. And I was friends with King Mo. I've known King Mo ever since I was in high school. And funny thing is like, man, like we were so connected because we were from similar, we were walking similar paths. King Mo is from like African descent. So am I. And he wrestled in Texas. And so was I in high school. And then he's a division two guy. I went division two. He was a national champ. I was a national champ. And, you know, walking a similar path. So I was, I just felt connected to King Mo. So I would always talk to him. I looked up to those guys, King Mo and, and DC. And they were like, you know, the, the black dudes that you look up to. Cause they weren't a lot of black wrestlers. Mm. So they was the dudes that we looked up to. It was like, yeah, man, King Mo. So he was been doing MMA. I think at that time he was the strike force champion. Mm-hmm. And so King Mo calls me, uh, and my friend Jake Fisher, who was a world team member at the time, is like, hey, you guys want to come down to Denver and train with us? You know, I'm going to train that night. Of course, I'm going to go. Yeah, train with King Mo, my boy. I get to see him, you know. So we go down. This is the first time I've ever been starstruck in my life. And this is now I've been watching MMA now, you know, I've done the show and all these things. So we get down there. And we're in a dress room. I'm, you know, I'm just thinking King Mo is coming in and we're going to work out with him. There's me, Fisher, TC Danzler, and another kid named Bo. And we're in the dressing room. We're changing. And it was Joe Warren's gym. We're changing. Shout out to Joe Warren. Shout out to Joe Warren, man. Badass, dude. <laughs> it's a funny dude. Yeah. Man. And we're, we're changing. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm changing. I look back. Rashad Evans walks in the fucking dressing room. Ah. I'd never been starstruck in my life. I was just like, oh, shit, that's Rashad <laughs> Evans. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, of course, you know, I had to play it cool. I right. can't be that dude, you know. I ain't no fanboy. But I'm thinking my mind, oh, shit, that's fucking Rashad Evans. I just watched this dude fight Rampage, and they do the ultimate fighter and all this joint. Like, oh, shit, that's Rashad. So we get we get back out, and now we're training together. We're wrestling. I just can't believe how you know good. To this day, he can fucking lie and say he got, took me down. He didn't get one <laughs> takedown that training session. I freaking took him down several times, ran him off the mat. But the one thing that I couldn't, I, I was impressed by how good of a wrestler he was. Then I started doing my research. I was like, oh, he actually wrestled. He was a wrestler at Michigan State. He was a two-time JUCO champion. Like he was a wrestler. I couldn't believe how good he was. But then after that session, we sat on the mat and we just talked. And to keep in mind, my whole mind is like, shit, I'm talking to a superstar here. Right. And he was at the top of the game. And I couldn't believe, like, we talked like we were brothers. Like, we was homies. Like, we've been best friends for a long time. He's a great guy. Man, I mean, I, I couldn't, he floored me. And I was just like, shit, like. That's Rashad Evans. Gave me his number after. Like, gave me his numbers like, bro, yeah, like, hit me up. What you what you doing? What you going to do tonight? I was like, oh, we got we got to drive back to Colorado Springs. He was like, oh, okay. Well, I'll be back in Denver. I'm going to hit you up. You know, talk like we were boys. And, of course, I'm like, it's like you're holding the piece of paper, his number on it. I'm like, oh, shit, that's Rashad's number. <laughs> <laughs> so I go home. It's like, do I wait two days to text him? Do I do? I, what do I do? <laughs> like a chick. <laughs> yeah, like a chick. <laughs> I'm like, what do I do? Uh, oh, shit, that's Rashad's number. It's just sitting hilarious. on my desk. I walk by it. I look at it. <laughs> 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 oh, man. So, uh 
he a week goes by and he freaking texts me he just texts me out of the blue like yo what up man like what's up uh, i'm gonna be in denver this next you know next month or something like that why don't you come to a train with me i was like yeah yeah for sure for sure so i went and trained with him again um just you know hung out for a little bit and then he started not it became regular he would text me regularly like Hey, I got a fight coming up. I'm about to fight Phil Davis. I'm going to bring you down to Florida with me to train with me for two weeks. Fuck, you going to fly me to Florida to train with you? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm down. So now I became like part of his training arsenal. And every time, I, that's the thing with Rashad, every time he would make fun of you. And like, you know, like brothers do, he'll poke fun of you. You know you want to do MMA. You know you want to do this. You should be doing this shit. Why are you over there busting your butt and wrestling? Like, you would train all through this whole race wrestling camp, go all the way to Russia, wrestle a tournament. If you won the tournament, you got fifteen hundred bucks. And this guy's, I would help these guys train. These guys go out and beat somebody up, make seventy five hundred thousand. Like what the fuck? What, what sport am I in right now? What is going on? And so he kept poking at me, like, man, you know you want to do this, you know you want to do that. So he slowly started to shift my motivation and my focus towards MMA. Instead of winning that Olympic gold. Mm. And then, of course, I was dealing with a lot of different injuries here and there. Tore up my knees, tore up my back. And I just, I started to feel like my chance of winning Olympic gold started to diminish more and more and more. And then I started falling in love with this sport here and there. And then I talked with him. I talked with King Mo. And King Mo was just like, man, don't straddle the fence, man. Because I straddled the fence. And look what happened. Because King Mo was supposed to be the Olympian. And he was like, I straddled the fence. And look, I lost at the trials. And... Nah, I mean, MMA, so if you're going to do that, just do that. And Rashad was like, why don't you come down to Florida? I just freaking, I was like, man, that's it. I'm done. Wow. Yeah. Now, when we were talking about Cain Velasquez earlier, Cain has had a series of catastrophic injuries, knee injuries, knee surgeries, shoulder surgeries, back surgery. When you think about your style, that's kind of similar to his in a lot of ways in that you rely on pressure, volume, mental toughness, and wrestling. All those things. You're, you're, you're constantly attacking. You're constantly bombarding your opponent with, with technique and with pressure. When you see that you've gone through all these surgeries and you see like what happens with a guy like Kane, where his body just can't compete with his mental toughness anymore. It's almost like his, his mind is too strong for his body. and His body just breaks. Yeah, I mean, it's... Does it fuck with you at all? It's a little bit because it's um, it's like, man, you got to switch up because you want to have longevity. Yes. I've had seven surgeries now. So what's, what have you done? Besides I've had five the knee hernia, surgeries. I've had five fucking knee surgeries. Five knee what surgeries. Have you had I've had four meniscus on each. Four? Four. Jesus. Two on the left, two on the right. And then I've also had a micro fracture, which is probably the, one of the most, the biggest serious surgeries that I've had on my right knee now is that one of those ones where they try to regrow cartilage yeah it's i guess the process is they they make breaks they they make mm -hmm. fractures yeah. in the condyle to hopefully i guess just scar up you know generate a blood supply scar up so where it creates a little cushion mm -hmm. but fucking it didn't work i feel like it set me back really but yeah man big time have but, you ever um heard of uh dr neil reardon and uh what they're doing down in panama with uh stem cells no I've, i mean no, no i've never heard of them i've heard of stem cells and I've, I've actually had a round of stem cells 
what they're doing down in Pam. I mean, you talk to. Do you know TJ Dillshaw? Yeah, I know TJ. Talk to him about it, man, because uh, he he has some phenomenal. I actually sent my mom down there. Really? Yeah, my, they were trying to give my mom a knee replacement surgery. I was like, hold on, mom. Yeah. I was like, let's let's see what we can do. No, so I'm, I sent her I'm, down there to Panama. They can do he his office is in Dallas. Yeah. And uh, I had him on with Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson's dad, when he sent him down there, was ninety two and he was in a wheelchair. Now he's a hundred and he's walking around. And wow. according to Mel, I didn't ask, but according to Mel, still getting hard ons. I didn't ask. I, didn't ask. <laughs> I like, don't think do that you know? goes away, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but he said he had I mean Mel's gone down himself and man I would go down if I had anything really wrong with me too. I mean I've gotten a lot of stem cells done here in the states. Yeah. But they can do some shit down there in Panama that they just cannot do here yeah. in terms of regulations and shit and they're they're doing phenomenal work with uh regrowing cartilage, cartilage and meniscus wow. and all kinds of shit. Yeah, I mean, I'm, especially yeah, like for right sure. now I'm, while you're in recovery phase anyway. Yeah, you should really should get in contact with them. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna, I'm definitely give that a try because they've you know? they've helped TJ quite a bit. I know other fighters have gone down there as well. Yeah, that's something that definitely I'm gonna look into. Yeah, because you you know, I mean, when you're dealing with bone on bone, like <sighs> I'm sure you probably are. That I've been on for a long, long time. It's fucking hard to train. A long time. Well, that's why it's so impressive your cardio. Cause you you can't run, yeah. so you you do. Are you doing plyos as well? Yeah, or? I mean, part of what like like I said, my strength and conditioning coach uh, Corey, we do a good job of adjusting to what I can or can't do. And you know, obviously, back squats are not the, right, the biggest, the best thing for me to be doing. So we yeah. modify. We do different types of squats mm -hmm. and, and things like that, and and we still get pretty good results. Do you do any swimming? Yeah, I, I play in the water a lot too, and that that's I do a lot of footwork stuff in the water because takes a lot of pressure yes. off yeah I, I was forced like i i can't i mean i'm not gonna go in here and do backstrokes and right. all this crazy swimming techniques but you know i get in there to get that workout do you do sprints in the do pool yes. or anything like that yes. yeah big into those now I do sprints. um you said your shoulders are fucking with you too shoulders are i mean i'm a wrestler you know mm -hmm. shoulders yeah, are always gonna always. be banged up you know but i haven't I've been fortunate, no surgeries there yet, but um, yeah, knees, I've had surgeries, five, and then I, I tore this, my index finger, that tendon right there, mm -hmm. I tore that my junior year in uh, college, and I tore that, I had surgery with that to replace that, re repair that, and then now this freaking whole apparatus that i have going on in my, <laughs> in my lower did they abdomen. put a mesh did that what they do Bro, um they did a little bit i told him because they didn't the doc didn't want to work with mesh that well because he said that you know there's good and bad results with the mesh so mm -hmm. you know i got this freaking drain coming out of me right now. oh shit look at that thing? oh my you know? goodness look at and, that is this just, pus and stuff it was blood like it was ah! basically the blood it's like a vacuum i think that's right. what they call it oh, okay. and it's draining blood but now it's a uh, it's coming down it's not that much blood coming out of there anymore. how long ago so, was that tuesday i got that wow so uh, yeah i've been having to walk around and maneuver with this thing in jesus and the worst thing is the burning because it's, it's obviously sticking out of a hole there's a hole in me right. so the burning sensation around it the third day, I told the, the physical therapist there, I was like, yo, I almost cut this shit off with the scissors. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not big into the painkillers. Right, right. You know, so I'll take Good it maybe you. the day after. I'll take it, you know, maybe. In, but I, they just don't do much for me. It doesn't kill the pain. Right. They, I'm like, why do they call these painkillers? It doesn't kill the pain. 
It doesn't it just enough. makes me a little loopy. It makes me stupid as fuck. I don't really? fuck with them either. Yeah, no. I saw. I just have a bag of them, and I just I don't do anything with it. What them. about CBD? Do you use that? I do, man. Shout out to uh, I'm sponsored by uh, Love Hemp. Beautiful. Love Hemp is a UK company. Very CBD. good company. Yeah, amazing. They're doing some really, really big things, and uh, I'm big into like the oil I have, mm-hmm. and I have the rub, and I both I'm, of them are great. Yeah, yeah, I use those a lot, so that's in my repertoire. Yeah, that's huge for yeah. anybody that's uh, experiencing any kind of inflammation. Plus, for general anxiety and overall health, CBD is fantastic. Yeah, so. and no psychoactive effects too. You know, yeah, because so that's the that's the that's the freaking stigma behind mm-hmm. it. It's like, oh, it's marijuana, it's weed, it's yep. Yeah, you we were know, talking about marijuana before the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> should yeah. I smoke? And I was like, I was don't like, do it. I'm like, I'm coming on Joe Rogan. Should I smoke no, the show? I'm no, champ. Here. No. <laughs> we want you want you lucid here. Don't want you going no. in the hole. The problem is like when people don't get high and then they get high in a pressure situation like this, you're just like, yeah. you go into that tunnel. You're like, yikes. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, I've, I've tried. I've smoked four times in my life. Yeah. How did that go? Uh, not good. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the first time was my 24th birthday. 24th birthday, uh, I smoked with, uh, who was it? A couple of friends of mine at the Olympic Training Center. And it didn't do anything because I didn't know how to, I don't know how to hit the blind. I don't know how right. to, I you didn't, didn't inhale. <sighs> right. Yeah. So it's like, man, this stuff don't affect me, dog. I ain't gonna do this. So, <laughs> so, so I didn't, I say, screw that. I didn't want to do it again. And then the next time was the year after with Jason Miller, Mayhem Miller. Oh, Mayhem knows how to hit that weed. Yeah. I was, we, we were doing, it was doing an ultimate fighter. We were doing that. And, um, one thing we do at night is a lot of people expect, like, man, when he's not on, he's a man, super cool guy. He's really a very nice good guy. dude. I mean, there's always like, kind of like being around Mike Tyson. There's always like- Edge. Yeah, there's always that edge to where you're in the room with the mm-hmm. with the freaking lion. Like, yeah, he's yeah. the coolest lion ever, but you still know it's a fucking lion. Right. You know, and, and Mayhem's like that. You're in the room, everything's cool, but he still has, he yeah. can snap at any yeah. moment. So- we're sitting on the balcony at night and we'll just talk and he would just talk about these. And the weird thing about Mayhem is he always watched, like he watched nothing but like smart shit, like the news, like the Colbert report, like things like that. You know, he wouldn't watch. I would think he'd watch like 90210 or, <laughs> <laughs> or freaking shows like that. Like, no, man, he, you know, he was a very intelligent guy and we would just sit there and talk at night. And, um, he gave me the nickname that night too, and freaking, he's like, "Bro, your first name starts with a K. Your last name is Ushman, Usman. I'm gonna freaking call you Kush. I'm calling you Kush. Ha ha ha! Freaking, the next day on set, everyone calls me Kush. <laughs> to this day." People call me Kush. You're like, I'm is, the Nigerian nightmare. Which is free. And at that time, it the wasn't fuck? born yet. You know, the name wasn't right. there yet because I didn't start fighting yet. But right. so I've had nicknames all through, all throughout my life, my career, which is that whole Ben Askren shit that he's trying to run with. What is he calling you? Marty, Marty from Nebraska? Marty Why from is he Nebraska. calling you Marty from Nebraska? He calls me Marty from Nebraska. See, this is the thing is when I started wrestling, I started in high school. My coach was uh, this big Marine dude. You know, I was in shape, buzz cut, white dude. And he comes up to me. I'm five foot two, a hundred pounds, soaking wet. And he's like, "Yo, he's like, what's your what's your name, kid?" And uh, I tell him, buddy. I don't even think he paid attention. 
And he's like, hey, would you try wrestling? I never heard of wrestling. All I've heard is WWE. I'm like, nah, man. I ain't trying to get hit with chairs and stuff. I ain't trying to do that <laughs> shit. <laughs> so he fucking kind of looks at me. He's like, he's like, ah, okay, yeah, all right. We'll, we'll give it a shot. And our assistant wrestling coach was the assistant football coach. So they kind of would poke at me. Yeah, you come try wrestling. Come try wrestling all through the football season. Then the next year, I freaking, I nutted up. And I freaking just signed up for wrestling. I went in and um, he looks at, he's reading the role sheet, calling names. And he goes, come on, who the fuck, who the, who's this kid? Who the fuck is this kid? <laughs> And I'm like, that's me, coach. He's like, that's your name? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'm not saying that because my whole full name is Kamarudin. 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 And he's like, I'm not going to say that. Like, Kamarudin. Kamar, Kamar, I'm going to call you Marty. And I'm just like, yeah, sure, coach. I'm, I'm fucking five foot three, 100 pounds. I'm just scared of this guy. And I'm like, sure. I mean, you're a kid. You don't care. You're going to have nicknames all growing up. So why does the UFC shorten your name to Kamaru? No, I that's that's what my you parents did. called me. It's Kamaru. Oh. Yeah, my parents called me Kamaru. But the full it's like my my name's Joseph. My parents call me Joe. Joe, exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the you know so that it's it's Kamaru. That's what my parents have always called me. That's what I call oh. myself. Okay. You know, but my full name is it's like Saint Joseph. Is it, you know it's Kamaru Dean. So um, he's so like, Marty. Yeah, he's like I'm gonna call you Marty. So fucking all right. Now the whole team is calling me Marty, and you know, so white people was, are so fucked up. Yeah, so, no, but man, I I, I love people's names. I love that coach, man. He, he essentially changed <laughs> essentially changed my life, changed the course of my life. That and, is such uh, a funny thing though to do. Yeah, and, I'm gonna call you Marty. That's not even close. <laughs> that starts with a totally different letter. I know, but it oh. it, it seemed to work. It worked so well to where. Um, this is the thing about nicknames. If you're fucking, if you're a guy that just a regular average guy and you suck, your name dies with you. You move on. No one cares, right? You know. But if you're doing something incredible, something spectacular, that name lives on, right? So now Marty went from just now everyone on the team calling me Marty to where people are, knew about the wrestling around the wrestling circuit. You know, in high school, calling me Marty. Oh, that Marty guy. That kid's good. And then now college coaches are calling like, oh, I want to recruit this kid, you know, this Kamarudian kid. And he's like, ooh, Marty? So now they all know me as Marty. So now I go to college and the coach is calling me Marty. And now the college team is calling me Marty. Now here's the situation with this whole Ben Askren <laughs> thing is, like I just mentioned, if I was just a regular guy who sucked, mm. no one cares. No one knows your name. You die out. Right. But because I made waves, like I was that Marty kid that wrestled at Nebraska that's beating the shit out of everyone, Division One, Two, Three, NAIA, JUCO, it doesn't matter. Ben knows of me. So, you know, he's trying to cling on to something to bring it back. Like, oh, this is funny. I'm trying to hide from it. No, I really was Marty from Nebraska. I really was <laughs> whooping everyone's ass <laughs> while I was Marty from Nebraska. I really was that guy. So, you know, for him to bring it up, I thought he was silly. But, you know, these fans, fans mm -hmm. want to, because Ben is a representative of the trolls. Like, uh, most of the trolls look like Ben Askren. If I can give you any advice, that's hilarious. Yeah. That is hilarious. <laughs> if I can give you any advice. 
please don't pay attention. I don't give anyone. a shit. Don't oh. pay attention to comments. You know that glass jar? Is, yeah. <laughs> once you smash that thing, just don't even put anything in there anymore, man. Don't nothing. I and I've I've heard you say that so many times. Like I um. When I started paying attention to the show, I started watching the show, and I watched the one you did with Tyrant when Tyrant was up here, and and you're so right, like some because that's one thing that I always felt like so unfair about Tyrant is a lot of people just gave him shit because, and I think it started because he didn't take that belt, they didn't dethrone George St. Pierre, so I, I think a lot of it stemmed from that. So oh, where, I don't it, know it, about that, man. I, I know it doesn't. It, the way but, he stopped Robbie Lawler, if that didn't give people, I, underst I understand, but. But George St. Pierre was still looping around as the, yeah, the welterweight champion. But sort of not, because he, he retired. He, he, he said, I'm going to step away. Yeah, but he, he stepped away. Yes, I understand. For you being, the obviously you know so much about the sport, you, you, you're being in the sport for so long. Yes, but for these fickle fans that don't know shit. That's why you can't listen to All him. they know is, is George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre was a champion, and he never lost his belt. Yeah. So... I felt like Tyron never got his fair share necessarily. I feel like the same because because they're like, oh, he, he never took the belt from George, and he always was, wanted I think it that was fight. The Wonder Boy fights. I think the Wonder Boy fights were so fucking hard. Yeah, but, but even he, after, even he he before had that, to fight Wonder Boy that way. That is the way yes. you fight that guy. Yes, you know, unless you know someone like me comes in and doesn't. What would you do? It? What would you? Do? I don't know. How I just do. do I just do me because he's still in the mix. Yeah, I would just do me. You know, I will eventually get a hold of him. I will eventually break him and, you know, eventually make it look easy. And then people are going to just complain. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. The, 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 the problem with him is he's so difficult to get close to. Yeah. He's a different guy because his style so different. He'll stand totally sideways on you. His hands will be down and he can wrestle. I mean, he, in terms of takedown defense, yeah. he's got good takedown defense, and his strikes come from fucking weird angles, man. He moves yes. like a snake. Yes. Like he bends at the waist and then pops forward. Yeah. You ever watch him kickbox? Yeah, and that freaking, well, I, but I saw that, you know, I knew it was a problem when he threw that one kick that came over the fucking shoulder yep. and smacked the yeah, chin. Yeah, question mark kick. Yeah. It was he, weird. He doesn't off the front leg. He's very good with it. He just, you don't even know what's going on. You think maybe he's going to kick you in the body. Yeah. And loops around. He loops around, comes like, over the top yeah. and like smacks you in the face. No, he's very talented. Like, I like Wonderboy a lot. You know, but like, I just felt like, you know, I saw that show with Tyron. And, I saw, mm -hmm. and you said the exact same thing to him. And that's what I said, too. And that's what I was thinking, too. But it's easier said than none. Because partially what I, I got into this and why, why I appreciate the platform that I have right now is the fact that you can affect so many people at such a rapid amount of time because there's been instance to where i don't know if you ever remember that movie uh what women want i never watched mel it. gibson what well, mel gibson i didn't watch it and and basically he could hear women's thoughts and things like that mm. and then there was a there was a girl in the, the office girl in the movie who she was planning to kill herself because no one really paid attention to her. She's like, no one would care. And she just walked around with books. I applied for a job. Everyone blew me off. No one cares. I'm going to kill myself this day. So she was planning to kill herself. And he heard her because he could hear what women think. He heard her thoughts. But initially, he didn't really pay attention to it until later on, he realized she was missing from the office. And then he like ran to go find her and, and essentially saved her life. But... My thing is, and that's a quote that I live by, with great power comes great responsibility. Like, what if there's someone that's dealing with something at a certain time? And yes, I didn't ask to be put in that position, 
But they, you know, they just decided, oh, I'm just going to reach out, send a message before I kill myself this day. No one's going to respond. No one's going to care. And I happened to read that message and talk that kid off the ledge. And that kid becomes fucking, you know, wins the Nobel Peace Prize later on in life. Like, that's a responsibility that I have. That I didn't, I didn't put that on myself, but that I have with the, the gift that I've been blessed with to touch so many people. And so how am I going to know that? If I never read any of my messages or comments or things mm. like that. Yes, of course, I, you know, the negative ones, yeah, blow and blow it off. But how do I know it's negative if I don't read it? You know, so that's what I'm saying. It's easier said than done. It's like I read this. If now what I do is I read it. If I even feel like it's getting negative, dilly, dilly, dilly. I can't read them all because after that fight, fucking, I got thousands. I'm sure. So, you know, I can't read them all. But every now and again, when I'm bored enough and I have time, like I'll read some of it because sometimes it is good, good yeah. things. But, you know, it, that Most is very easy. Most of the time it's easy. good things. Uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know i shit i shit you not there was yesterday i posted a picture there was one guy that responded to maybe 40 to 50 people all negative shit oh yeah how about, on, how like about you we were find gonna that die dude give out his instagram handle. you were gonna die in this <laughs> you know what i just i just blocked him you said you're gonna just die like, it's like oh man you're gonna uh, get knocked the fuck out oh, you're gonna boy. do this i'm just like oh my god like bro really you literally took your, the time out of your day Imagine to sit here today. Just knocked on his just, door and he opened the oh door and saw your God. face. Imagine. Oh, my God. I wish we could do that. <laughs> I wish we could do that. And he answered. Guess who answers the door? It's Ben Askren. He looks like Ben. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking belly out like this. He's never trained a day in his life. What and, did you think of the Robbie Lawler fight with Ben? Oh, man. Like, I mean, come on. They got to run that back. I, I was thinking when it was over that Herb Dean made a mistake, but the more I watch it, the more I think he didn't. I think what happened was, I think Robbie went out, I think his arm dropped, and I think when Herb came over, this is what Ben says too, that he loosened up the choke a little bit, and Robbie came back to it, and Robbie probably doesn't even know. Because Robbie's such a fucking savage, he probably didn't even know he went out. Yeah, but okay, so, yeah, you know, this is the argument, and this is why it has to be ran back. Yeah, it's a good argument this to is run a, it back. The, you know, this is an argument because, first of all, when 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 Robbie ran that truck through Ben's face, mm. like he was out. It's a funny way of putting it. He, he, he was out and, and well, woke up. He, he recovered. I mean, he got hit with some fucking bombs, but we're freaking wrestlers. Mm -hmm. The one thing about wrestlers at the elite level is you can be out of it, but your body will naturally go through certain mm -hmm. motions, grab a leg, pull up the single, do that. Do you think he was out cold that. when Robbie was bombing on him? Robbie ran a Mack truck through his <laughs> face. Like, that was under... Let's like, watch it. Pull, like, pull that fight up. Truck through his face. Like, I feel like Robbie knocked him out, woke him up, knocked him out. Like, like... Robbie was just savage mode, and and yeah. that's the one thing about Rob and knowing Robbie now because I train with him is Robbie's such a different guy. Like he's so mm, nonchalant. Mm. Well, he you know the way he handled the loss was so but, classy. But that's Robbie, man. That, he's that's so classy. That's the thing, and and the explanation. This is the thing with the explanation is. You can argue the fight should have been stopped when Robbie was was you know bombing on him. You can argue that. Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, when Robbie explains it is, Robbie has so much experience. And it was a bulldog. It's like big brother choke. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it could have not been doing anything. 
But Robbie explained it as <coughs> I put my hand down because this wasn't doing shit to relax, you know, because I don't want to panic. Yeah. Robbie has that much experience. He should know what to do. Maybe that's what he was doing. Could but be. the way he put his arm down, it looked like it was out. Yeah. But then when Rob, uh, when Herb Dean came to check on him, her, while he was giving the thumbs thumbs up, Herb Dean didn't really give him a chance to put the thumbs up. and right. stops the fight right, right then and there. But as far as, oh, I loosened the choke, that's why he came to. No, so fucking, you don't loosen the choke until this the ref pulls you off of him or you pop his head off. He like, said he lightened up when Herb came over because he thought that Herb was going to stop the fight because he felt Robbie go limp. You don't lighten up because you think someone's going to stop a fight. <sighs> I, you don't, I see you don't, your point. You don't lighten up because you think you squeeze harder because yeah. you want to make him stop the fight. I see a point and also there is a difference between squeezing someone out and beating on them when the referee's coming. If the referee yeah. comes and you stop punching because yes. the guy's out, Th yeah. that's one thing. That's one thing. But you don't. You have him in a bolt. You're here in survival mode. You can't like really. You're in survival mode at that Sorta, time. But bulldog chokes are legit, man. I mean, they really do work. Yeah, I'm I mean, not gonna. I'm not how, gonna. You know, listen. That's I'm how not gonna Pat say. Militich lost the title. Yeah, listen. I'm not Carlos gonna say. Carlos Newton caught him in a bulldog choke. Uh, Remember yeah, that? Yeah, I'm not gonna say it don't work. I'm not gonna say that. I'm not yeah. gonna. You know, he could have been out. He could have not been out. But mm -hmm. the only way to to put that all to rest is to run it back. But yeah. what what kind of sucks is when you're like, no, I pass. I I mean, I pass. What? What? Come on, bro. Relax. <laughs> he said he didn't want to fight him in the first place. Well, no shit. Yeah. Well, Robbie looks sensational. In Robbie looked like it? a fucking savage. Right, here we go. We're going to watch it right now. Here we go. We're going to watch this shit. Ben, look at the body on him. <laughs> you laughing? How are dare you? Trying you? To, are you Come trying on, to make me laugh here? Fucking stud. Look at him. Yeah. Look at that body. That's the ideal oh my God, combat look at sports that. body. Look at this. But it is amazing that he's able to get a hold of Robbie. I was stunned. No, I knew he was going to get a hold of Robbie. Like, I thought, but be, right away, look at this, savage, that was crazy. Savage boom. moment. Boom. Now eat that. Eat that. Eat that. Uh, uh, These are big uh, shots. Uh, uh, go to sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. I'm out. Go to sleep. I see, I'm I out. I think he's still there, man. Oh, I don't think there's out. no evidence that he's oh. out. No really? evidence. You don't see out. the hands go. No, no, I don't think so. <sighs> I think he's eating a shot and then he's got the clinch. I don't think he was ever out. No, there, there <laughs> were certain moments he was. He was uh, well, he definitely ate some big shots, but I don't think there's any evidence at all that no, indicates man, to me that uh, listen, he was out. This is the thing. Like, Ben is tough as shit, though. Like, I give credit where credit Fuck is due. Yeah, ben is, is tough as hell, man. He's tough as hell. And right now, he's just drunk driving. Right now, he's drunk yeah. driving. He's a wonky leg. <laughs> drunk driving is a funny drunk. way to put it. Bro, he's nice drunk knee. driving right now. Look at this. Drunk driving. But now Robbie breaks free. See, I forget the actual scram scramble that led to the bulldog choke. Yeah, it happens from uh, when Robbie tries to get up because he does get the takedown. Oh, look, he's drunk yeah. driving. Ooh. Oh, my God. Oh, man, a lot of blood. You caught him with a nasty left hand there. Yeah, like. Robbie's just looking for, looking for a bomb. And Ben is just moving forward like yeah, a zombie. He's but just, he still yeah. grabs a hold of him. It's interesting. Yeah. Interesting that he was able to grab a hold of him because I would have thought that Robbie would have avoided that shit at all costs. Yeah, but that, that's why he's able to grab a hold mm -hmm. of someone. Is when, when someone is so you know worried about you grabbing them and, right. and they, they, it sh kind of shuts them down a little bit. Good knees of the body there by Robbie. Yeah. Like, that's looking. another thing you did in the Tyrant fight. Those fucking body shots. Good Lord. I was trying to take that <coughs> body home. You hit him with so many right hands to the body. So here we see Ben yeah, still got the clinch. Yeah, he's doing a good job here. Trying to, he's trying to come to it. He's trying mm -hmm. to you know recover. Doing a good job. Keeping it close. Now you can't get really get hit with big shots. You know, And he does get the takedown at some point. 
Mm. Yeah, I do not remember how it happened. Or what was it? Here it is. Here it is. He reaches down. So he's got him in the clinch here. He's got the underhook on the left side. And so someone, okay, he grabs the leg. I do, this is interesting. I don't remember this. All I remember is the opening exchange and then the final exchange. Yeah, he, two, two on one. He's, right now he's trying to go two on one. Yes, good job. So he's now got the single. Single. Robbie doing a good job. Now defending. he's got the hands clasped together. It's amazing to me how good of a wrestler he is. I'm going to be honest with you. That but Robbie, it's, just, it's just funky because it's like not really muscles there. Yeah. It's just like Gumby, but, you know, it's not going anywhere. But it's tricky. Yeah, it's very tricky. Shit. Yeah, very, very sneaky, very so now tricky. now he's got him down, and now Robbie's on his back. He's in, yeah, sort of inside control. Okay. So now he's got an arm. Yeah, typical Robbie. See, Robbie's just chilling. <laughs> Boom, he circles out. He's got the headlock. Okay, now he's got the headlock. And now watch that right but see, arm. This position, this. Yeah, but see, this position. Yeah, but see, this position. See, Robbie puts it down. Yeah, it's moving. It's yeah. moving. Yeah. No. Yep. See, Changed see, my mind again. Yeah, like, see, that's that's what's Fuck. tricky about that. Yeah. That's what's tricky about that. I changed my mind again. I don't think he was out. No, see, because the, the first. Back it up to just to the arm going limp. Because the thing about the arm going limp is the way it went limp looked, it really looked like he was but, out. Okay, but this is this is what I'm saying right here is, initially <clears throat> right in the here. situation, wait, wait till he turns, mm -hmm. wait till he turns, went right, right, wait till he pull his arms out, boom, right here. Yep. See, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. This is very uncomfortable. You're like you're spread out here, and the guy's choking on your neck. You yeah. got to bring one down to relieve pressure, either mm -hmm. that one down or take this one inside. Yeah, he was so Robbie did the appropriate right thing, or the arm fell down. Whether he was out, so man, it Ooh, it's a tough go, man. One one more time, let me see that arm Fuck. drop. Just back it up, just a little bit. Here, yeah. It goes, see right the way there. it drops. See, like but nobody it moved. moved. It moved. Yeah, it, it immediately. Moved. It, it immediately. Shit. Boom. It's so hard to know. Move. Yeah, he might have just been dealing with the choke. Yep. Nope. And I changed my mind and again. And it's typical Fuck. Robbie, man. Because yeah. Robbie says, Robbie experience. says, man, I, yeah, experience. He said, man, I knew that that was uncomfortable, so I just put my arm down, chilling. Yeah. That's, and that's it, man. Now I'm, now I'm on your side. Fuck, mm. bro. Like, there's, run there's only one. You have to run that back. I would, I would say so. But uh, the how much can the UFC tell him what to do? Like, what could the UFC? What the you, UFC like, said to Ben Askren, listen. This fight has to happen again. That, that's you, like, that's the sport we're in. Yeah. UFC's the judge, the jury, and if they want the executioner. What did Ben? What did uh, Dana White say after the fight? He said he wanted Ben to fight him again, right? Yeah, Dana said we're going to run that back. And, and, Robbie's, and, and Ben's like, not pass. <clears throat> Man, I don't know. Robbie's like, yeah, I'm, uh, we got to do it again. Well, I know Robbie was angling for a fight with Darren Till, but after Masvidal starched Darren Till. <sighs> Which was nasty, man. Nasty, man. People sleep on Masvidal. They do. I do not know why. I don't understand it. Go back and watch those backyard <laughs> fights. <laughs> that guy's been going at it a long time. Hey, man. And he, and he even, man, that's, he two, both backyard fights. Yeah, the man. one that he just had again this weekend. Yeah, like, I know. That was crazy. What was yeah, that man. about? It's about, um, you know, it's like, you can't just talk. Pe like nowadays, yes. it's this era. You could just say whatever you feel like. You can say what you want because it's social media. You right. want to get fans on your side and this and that. And he just happened to say it to the wrong guy at the wrong time. Yeah. Like that's that's the situation. And you did it backstage to yeah. where Massa don't give a fuck. No, like I, I, I've, it's, you know, mutual. I think I I think it's <laughs> mutual respect with me and Massa. Like I respect him. 
you know i mean if we have to fight we have to fight one day but you know like we feel the same when it's like if you're gonna talk shit online when i see you keep the same energy like when i saw ben astrin backstage right the only thing that stopped me from pushing his head through that wall back there was the fact that i almost blacked out blacked out when i was walking towards him then i realized dana was right behind so me. you were angry it wasn't that I was angry. It was the fact that, bro, like, if you're, you're, you came at me online like you had a problem with me. Right. Like, you started talking mad shit to me like you had a problem, like saying things, putting up memes and all this. To me, that means like you have a problem with me. I don't know what I did to you, but you got a problem with me. So when I see you now, like, I want you to still have that same energy. Don't just act like we're cool. Like, what's up, bro? Yo, you wanna hug it out? Don't act like that. Act like you still have the problem, same problem. Well, I think he's just trying to mark it. I mean, Ben that's, never that's, has but that's, that's a, fine. Like an anger that's attitude fu- towards anybody. But, that, but that's what I'm saying. That's the thing. Like, people are kind of letting him off with certain things. Now, mm-hmm. now what happens if Masvidal would have starched him like that <clears throat> yeah. backstage? Because he did talk shit to oh, Masvidal, yeah. too. Yeah. What happened if that was him, Masvidal starched like that? What happens? Yeah. You know, yeah. so that that was my thing is I when I saw him backstage, I almost wanted to push his head through the <clears> wall, <throat> you know, but then I realized Dan is behind me. Brian's behind what me. What happens Hunter's to Masvidal now in uh, in in England? Because they don't like I, that shit over there. I don't know. I, I think he got away free. Scott free. Really? I think they I, don't, I haven't back heard now anything. And everything's fine. Isn't he back already? That's hilarious. If that's the case, because that's assault. <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, I guess it's, you could it's say hard, it's, it's hard. It's hard to say assault when you're dealing with UFC fighters. Right, right. It's, it's almost like you played it. basketball off the court. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. hard to say. This. It's a tricky, yeah. it's a tricky situation. Right. But like he struck him out in the parking lot. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> After the baseball game. What? But I think Dana. Yeah. What didn't Dana put out a statement saying that that can't happen anymore? We got to do a better something like that. Well, a they job. really should do a better job of having security around to separate guys. They did Don't my fight. Guys <laughs> they yeah. didn't let me near Ben Askren or Colby or Covington. Colby. Yeah, well, I, so there was one did. time, not before this fight, but before a previous fight, where you were backstage. <laughs> it was actually, was it a press conference? It was mm-hmm. a press conference. And you were trying to talk to Colby, like, what's up, man? I was scheduled. Shit. Yeah, I was scheduled to fight Santiago Ponsonibo. That's right. And we were doing a big press conference. Mm-hmm. And they happened to have, like, I didn't even know he was there. Because they, they had him hidden away the whole time. <laughs> It wasn't until we were going to get on the bus to go to the press conference, he came downstairs. Like, we were all meeting in the lobby, and I saw him, and right away I told I, I, just, I don't know what it is. I just, I, start, my boy, I just started. Your blood. My blood just started boiling. I started, I told Reed, I was like, Reed, man, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. Yo, you got to move it. Reed was like, we're getting him right now. We're moving him. And Reed, they put him in a different car, and every, all the other fighters ride together. So this is what I mean. He's already isolated. That's so funny. So we get there, but we have to line up to walk out. So he's lined up, and he just happened to be in my vicinity. And I just freaked. I, I'm, I was trying. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm not going to say nothing. I'm not going to say nothing. I just look at him. Yo, I see you was talking all that shit online now. Huh? <laughs> now we in person. You can't talk. What's up with all that shit you was talking online? You thought you was tough. What, what's up with that? What's that tough guy now? And he's just like, I think he was reading his lines, like what he was going to say when he got out there in the press conference. He was just like reading. And he heard me. And he's like, shit, I don't want to say nothing. Shit, I could get my ass whooped right here. I don't want to do that. <laughs> and I could say all those thoughts was contemplating. And Whitaker was standing next to him. And Whitaker does one of these joint, like, look around. Who the fuck is this dude talking to? 
because I had to watch the video over and over. Where it could look back like he ain't talking to me, and and. Then saw Kobe is like, oh, he's talking to Kobe. So Whitaker just kindly slid off to the side. <laughs> and um then I'm like, what's up with all that shit you was talking? And then he's like, quiet, quiet. And then he sees the security kind of because then they heard me. Mm-hmm. And security kind of walks. I didn't even know there was a camera back there. Uh, and then security walks up and security's like, yo, yo, no, no, we don't need this. We don't need this. And this was uh what press con. Uh, Khabib was about to fight. This was after that Connor Khabib's bus situation. Yes. And so they're like, yo, we don't need this this week. We don't need this. And now once there's security, he goes, he goes, stick to, stick to, stick to uh, network television, junior. Stick to this boy. You're not, I'm like, network television. What does that mean? Because I guess he was fighting his first fight now on pay-per-view. Oh. oh. But this is the thing. So you run Fox. Yeah. But this is the thing is he had never headlined a card. To this day, I don't think he's ever headlined a card. Yeah. No, he headlined a card. Did he? Not a pay-per-view. But um, when he he fought um, Rafael Dos Anjos. That was the main event, wasn't it? No. No? It was a co-main event under uh, Yoel Romero and and Whitaker in Chicago. He's never headlined a card. Wow! Never, really? never headlined a card. Well, you might be right. And, I'm and, thinking about it. Yeah, and and he's like, he's like, stick to network. I'm like, I'm fucking mm. headlining. Like, bro, you've never done shit. And, and so he's trying to play that angle and all this and that. And I was just yep, like, you were right. Look at that, Woody yeah. Romero too. Yeah, he's never Those headlined. Just Covington. He fought Damian Maya on an undercard. Uh, well, mm. I think it was like on the main card, but. <clears throat> You know, CM Punk and Michael Jackson. Yeah. Fight. Yeah. Tremendous fight. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a shot. I mean, no, it, it's, it's man. It, I was impressed with him beating Dos Anjos. I really was. I thought that was impressive. In what way? Well, because he beat Dos Anjos. Because, yeah, because it's Dos, Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos is a, is a name. Yeah, like, I, I give that. Yeah, you beat RDA. RDA is a name. Like, that yeah. dude's tough as hell. Former champion. Yes, mm-hmm. I give it to But RDA won rounds. RDA yeah. won fourth and fifth round. Yeah. RDA was taking him down. Like you saw that RDA took him down numerous times. Well, he didn't. Let me just clarify. He didn't beat him as impressively as you did. That's for no, sure. Yeah. No, but, I, I'm not, but I don't really care. I don't really care about all that stuff. Like, man, it's my thing is overall and all, Joe, like I've been on such a journey, man. I, my whole life. I've been on such a journey. I've dealt with so many things that I internalize, man, and I, I don't really talk about. So I don't really care what all these guys are doing, man. I've had a hard life. Not the hardest. I'm not saying it's the hardest life, but I've had I've had a lot of things happen to me in life to where I'm just I'm at this point in life where, man, I I don't de- I don't want to deal with all the hate. I don't want to deal with all this other stuff. I understand it's gonna come with the sport that we do, but man. I got bigger shit going on in my mind that I'm worried about rather than all that little things, man. Good for you. That's like I said, your attitude in so many ways is so good that you you're you're there to compete, that you're you're there to do your best. You're not getting caught up in bullshit and petty nonsense. And you you know, you're just putting pressure on yourself to be the best you could possibly be. That's that's where that's where you see real greatness. Yeah, and I mean it like and like Tyron was, man. There's a there's this thing to where you you get to a point where you have to you're the guy who has to provide you're the guy who has to hold up and it's not not necessarily people saying you have to do it but you 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 feel that sense of responsibility you know and, and in, in my family I I felt that I I feel that sense of responsibility 
like there's you one thing in your family when you were growing up yeah you know like i like when i say i come from humble beginnings you know like being raised in nigeria like and it wasn't like the village village where we lived in huts and we had a house but it wasn't really we didn't have plumbing you know we had to go to the well to get water we electricity was rare that's a scarce thing you know and it's the way we even when we came here when we immigrated here yeah life got a lot better how old were you when you came here uh, about eight years old and it was hard to adjust to the school system you know because kids were kids <laughs> kids are mean I have to talk with the funny accent and kids would tell mm. you, hey, why don't you say this to the teachers? Hey, hey, bitch, call her this. And I was always in the principal's office because I had no idea what that means and, oh. and things like that. So kids are cruel. I had, you know, I dealt with all that. Did you and, know and English when you came here? Yeah, we spoke English, but it's, it's pidgin English. So we knew that, uh. like, you know, we're colonized by the Europeans. So the English is the wor- root of the words. Root words are from the Europeans. So mm-hmm. we knew English, but it's just our take on it. Oh. and so how that, much different it's pretty different yeah it, yeah it's very different like if i was talking with another nigerian i was speaking pigeon english you would pick out words but it's a little different like can you say something in pigeon english yeah like not, not right now we just sit down here just to talk now you you know so sit down just to talk just to yeah each other now you know not, not be anything that sounds cool <laughs> yeah it, it does if like me and Israel Adesanya was talking like it would be mad cool oh yeah. right 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 you know like we speak it to each other so going from that to you know being essentially raised and, and, and going through school and and one thing that uh, man I haven't I, I really haven't ever shared with anybody you know very very few people know is that my father has been incarcerated since 2009 and this is the first time really I, I'm, you know, ever talked about it. Like, been in car- my dad was, um, it goes to a test of just the justice system here, man. It's so, it's so, so crooked and it's so backwards. Yes, of course, we're fortunate. Like, I, there's so many things that we're thankful for living here in this country that, you know, you can sleep at night in your house and not worry about somebody breaking in, robbing you and killing you, you know, for the most part. And, so we're thankful for all that. We're thankful for the opportunities. But my dad was a businessman, and my dad built one of the uh, one, a really, really big business in Dallas. He owned like an ambulance company, and you know it comes to a certain point where people just don't want you to be. You're you're an immigrant, and you're succeeding in a certain business to where it's kind of like people don't care about it. People don't want you to be there, and. You know, it was one of those situations where my dad hired the people that he thought were the right people to do what he didn't know, the job, to run his company while he could tend to certain things like us, like his family, day-to-day different things that I cared about, to where they run the company into the ground. And not because my dad was the owner of the company, they put it all on him, even though the people that were doing, you know, the things that were wrong in the company admitted to doing the wrong things. But what the court is saying is that, oh, because you own the company, so ignorance is it's not an excuse. So because of that, we're going to sentence you to 15 years. So he got sentenced when he did no crime? Yeah. See, the thing what is- What was the business again? It, my dad owned an a- ambulance company. An ambulance company? Yes. So it was a, a transportation for emergency and non-emergency, you know. And 
one thing that they he hired these like <laughs> the the, EA, the paramedics the EM you know AMX to run the company because these are people that that know the business. So he had people that he hired from a, that acquired, he acquired from a different company, but you know one thing that I would say is my dad's ignorance is is he didn't really do his research well enough on the guys that he hired. So you hire certain guys, and now these guys are running the business, and these guys are like, "Yeah, we're gonna make you, we're gonna help you grow this business." Like any businessman, fuck yeah, I hired the right people. Yeah, help me grow the business. So now. They're helping. He's. They're doing that. If he thinks, okay, I trust these guys. They're taking care of the business, and the the the, the most disappointing, heartbreaking thing about the business is, my dad. They're not. They're not the one who does the billing. The billing for the business. They contract a different, an outside company to do the billing. So it's not them doing it. So they're doing the runs. They're sending the notes to them. This is the runs we did to you guys. Bill the government or, or whoever else to pay us. My dad's the owner. He has people that are doing all this. He's not there running the day-to-day. So eventually, they go under investigation. Oh, we're investigating, like, I think maybe like 15 patients or something like that. I don't know the exact number. Like 15 patients were investigating for these runs or whatever that would build these billing on them. And so they put it all under investigation, and they're like, okay, after a while, they, they come back and they say, all right, we'll give you your stuff back. Like, we didn't really see anything, but we'll give you your stuff back. After they shut it down for a little while. So, damn, now I got to go back to business. So, my dad's like, oh, fuck it, I'm getting out of the business. They already killed my business for me. So, now it became one of the biggest companies, but you shut down for so long, you've lost, you know, what you've worked for. So, now he's getting rid of it, getting out of it. Then they come back later. A few years later, for the same thing that they've already said, you're good, here, have your stuff back. They come back and say, no, we're, we're going to prosecute you for this. So now those guys, I, and I've, I've seen that this is obviously how the feds work. Now, those guys that you caught, the EMS, and these guys that were clearly did what was wrong, you gave them a deal and said, hey, we caught you guys. Because those guys started their own company doing the same shit. So they get caught. Now they're like, okay, we want that guy. So you guys basically gave him a deal to say, okay, that that guy was in on it. And my dad's like, and I guess they offered my dad a deal, a plea deal, which his lawyer didn't really tell him about because he had a court appointed a lawyer. lawyer. So he said, no, I didn't do shit wrong. Why would I take that deal? Which would have been, I think, maybe like five years was the deal or something like that. My dad's like, no, I didn't do shit wrong. Why would I take five years? So he goes to trial. And... Bro, we've seen murderers. We've seen all these people that are defraud the government, like stock market hedge fund guys, billions of dollars, get bail. They said no, they wouldn't even grant him bail. My dad's a citizen, like turned over his passport and everything. They said, no, we're not going to give you bail. We're going to hold you. We're going to freeze all your accounts. You can't really fight the case. So you're stuck there. And now your family's left with nothing. With nothing. No money in the account, nothing. And so my dad had to deal with that, and they just threw the book at him. They're like, you know, we'll give you 15 years. And Jesus. this was 2009. And he's already been in for 10? Yeah, he's been in for 10. And, and one thing that really killed me was um, one thing. It was a part, a part in a trial where um, the lawyer was basically telling the judge, like, this guy's an upstanding guy, no record. You know, he has kids. Look at his kids and how well they're doing. His older son is in college. 
the second one is in college the the youngest is about to be in college these kids are all scholarship student athletes great student athletes and the one thing that killed me was the prosecution was like the reason that is is because he was defrauding the government from this money that's why they're in college and i was like wait my dad's not paying for us to be in college we're all student athletes we earned this we we worked hard earn scholarships and for us to be in college the defense didn't say that they didn't fucking say like it did was, he have a court appointed attorney i think he did yeah Jesus and, and, and bro my Christ. dad just got railroaded man and it was like <sighs> and it, it, it was so heartbreaking to where you you're telling a man that has raised his family raised his kids to to work hard get to a place in life and and you're telling him that the only reason he's there is because he cheated and it was just one of those things that added a chip on my shoulder at all man it, like so there's been so many moments that added chip, put chips on my shoulder with everything that i like i've been through so much that i just internalize and i compete with all this energy and so to for that you you telling my dad that yeah like you're gonna sit down and i just and and obviously of course i researched more and more into that because i was so heartbroken after that like my like you're just gonna for what for how much you're saying not even up to almost a million. They, what they, they just piled a lot of money on. They're like, oh, this, this, and that for a little over. Uh, they're saying a little over a million total, which is nowhere near that. You gave him 15 years when these guy, hedge fund guys that, that you found guilty for manipulating these markets for billions. You give him six months house arrest, if that. And you're saying you're going to give him 15 years. And I started researching. I'm like, a lot of these judges have stakes in these prisons. And to what they do is they, they give a lot of time because they get paid per prisoner that's in prison. You know prison. that story about that guy in um, Pennsylvania who was, a, <clears throat> he was a judge and he was doing that. He was sending kids to jail. He was extending their sentences and giving them sentences for nothing. And it turned out he had been getting paid by the yes. prison to they send get these a lot kids of them, down the river. Yeah, I heard a lot of them get like kickbacks and different things from, from that. And so to put people there. Well, as and, you become more and more famous, you can shed more and more light on this. Yeah, man. It, when and when does your dad do for parole? Man, I don't I don't even know. I think soon. Well, listen, soon. Th this podcast alone, you talking about this, could very well bring someone forward that wants to help you with the appeal. Yeah, man, and, and my uh, my dad actually wrote because during the Obama uh, administration, there was that whole clemency deal when they mm -hmm. were, they were doing. And my dad actually wrote a letter. I actually have that letter. I don't know where I put it, but he wrote a letter to him, and it was when I read the letter, man, I I, I can't help but cry about it because my my dad um it's my dad cares about his family so much and when i go and see my dad because my dad is so proud of me and um and i'm so proud of him i mean he raised us so well and um to go see him in there and i mean it's not like he's sitting in maximum security but for someone to tell you that you can't go home to your family at night for 10 you gotta, years you gotta sleep when we told you to sleep we got you gotta eat when we told you to eat for 10 years and when you know i didn't do anything wrong because I chose to say, no, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not going to take this sentence you give me. They say, okay, fine, then. You're going to sit in there for 15 years, and there's nothing you can do about it. it is, and, man, it, it broke my heart, man. It, and it, when I think about it, so I just hold it in because I, you know, I try not to cry about it, which I, I'm just like, screw it. I've had different situations that happen in life. I'm like, you know. 
But I, I ate that one up on the shoulder. I put that chip on. I was like, you know what? They're going to say that the reason I'm here, that I have a scholarship, is because my dad, they're saying my dad got money, a little bit of money. Are you serious? What about the freaking hard work that I did to get here? What about all the times that I sat in a freaking hot box, my bathroom upstairs with a trash bag on because I knew that I needed to get a pound off the next day in order to be able to wrestle at this JV tournament? What about all that? You know, that didn't make any difference. You know, the reason, the only reason it was there is because of that. What about all the times my brother ran, worked hard to make national team when he was playing soccer? Or my little brother getting numerous scholarships for Division One football everywhere. Like, wh that? What? So all that put a chip on my shoulder, Joe, to where it was like, man, I got to succeed at all costs. I don't, I don't really care. And where, where did this happen? Where was this trial? Uh, in Texas, in Dallas, Texas. Not the best place to have a trial happen, but uh, it, it happened, and, and, and man, uh, it put a sour taste in my mouth. But um, has he filed an appeal? Oh man, he filed an appeal one time. They didn't even look at it, man. It was like one of those things where it's like that judge they put you there, you're there. That was his domain. They didn't even look at it. Like, um, mm, who cares? Does it feel like you're with just you in the system? You're being you're, a UFC welterweight champion. But I think that they treated him like that because uh, you're an immigrant in the system. Um, get in there. And that's, you know, Joe, to wrap that, put that on, that's part of what this next fight symbolizes to me is the attitude that a lot of people have towards immigrants. It's people are forgetting that Americans are immigrants. I like, was just like, having that conversation like in the last podcast. Pe people are forgetting that. Yeah. And, and the to entire where, country's to, immigrants. To, yeah, to where they, people have this attitude to where it's like, we're Americans. Go back to your country, you know, you, you know, go back. This is a free country or this and that. People, like, I always heard that growing up. I always heard that. And I always, I, I, the more I research, I'm like, what? What are you talking about? First of all, this, this whole attitude, when you walk into a nail shop, get your hand, feet, nails done, who are the majority of the people that run those nail shops? Asians. I'm not saying all of them in the world, in, in the country, but a majority of them are Asians. But there's a lot of people that look down on it. Like, I'm not washing your feet. I'm not going to do your nails. No, those people, I take pride in that because that provides for them. You know, they do that. You know, but people, people condemn it. That's not a job people want to do. When you go to these hotels and, and, and certain things, who are the main people that are the maids that clean up the hotels? A lot of them are immigrants. We take pride in them because now we're in a country in a better place where we can provide for families. Those are jobs that a lot of people... So-called Americans, the whole Kobe Covington whole persona are like, I'm above that. I'm above that. That's the, the persona. But then at the same time, people now want to cry. Oh, they're here taking our jobs. Let's build a wall. Let's keep them out. They're taking our job. No, they're providing. They're helping this country get to its height. The fact that you could come here and have someone do your nails, someone clean your house, someone wash your car, someone do all this for you is part of what makes America so great. One of the greatest nations in the world. And the fact that they want, we want to build a wall, you want to keep these people out. You can't come here. You can't bring your culture, your stuff here. It just it saddens me and, and it upsets me. It's part of what this fight, when it happens, this fight represents for me because I feel like that's the attitude that this young man has. He's entitled to. I'm. I should be UFC champ. You're. You're soy boy. Yeah. You can't. You don't deserve it. You can't hang with me, boy. That's his attitude. You can't do this, boy. First of all, who's your boy? I'm a grown ass man. Don't fucking talk to me like that. 
And that's the attitude that he has. I'm entitled to this. I mean, I, I should be the champion because I am this way. I'm American. I'm this and that. Bro, we're all American here. And so th this fight is greater than, than just uh, me beating up a guy that's talking a lot of shit. There's a, this, this fight means a lot to me. So when I get the chance to put my hands on that guy, let's just know this is the wrath of every immigrant that has stepped foot in this country that I'm going to put on him. Well, you and your family are the ideal immigrants. Absolutely. Over, overachievers. I mean, this is what, like, first of all, what is it about Nigerians that do so well in this country? That's one of the things. If you look at, like, Nigerian immigrants, like successful ratios of, of different immigration groups, Nigerians in particular are extraordinarily successful upon immigrating to America. Yeah, the, I think it's a family a family thing. It's like when, when our families decide and we get the opportunity to move to a better place, Right. the thing is that the whole persona is we're going to be able to sustain this forever. So my kids are not going to just play around in sports because that's not guaranteed. Right. What is guaranteed is the fact that you're going to go to school and you're going to become a doctor because you're going to get a job anywhere mm -hmm. in the world that you want. That's why majority of them are doctors. Right. Majority of them doctors, engineers, because these are jobs that high demand jobs. You're always going to get a job anywhere. Yeah. And so that's all. That's all we push. You're going to be a doctor, or you're going to be a a, a, a um, an engineer. None of them are saying you're going to be a professional athlete. My parents, hell no. They didn't care for that. Like, I lied to them the first couple of years that I was wrestling. I didn't tell them <laughs> that. You know, my brother is a doctor in pharmacy in Dallas. My little brother, you know, could have gotten the NFL. He was a stellar football player. Played at University of Houston and University of Arizona. You know, my sister now is in college. She's in nursing school in college. Like, that's just what we push. We want you to get a job that you can provide for your family forever. Yeah, they remind me of Koreans in a lot of ways. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, super hardworking and appreciate once they've gotten to a place like America where there really is no ceiling on the possibility. You could do anything you want once you get here if you work hard. Absolutely. And, and then this is... That's another thing that's dear to my heart is when you're in Nigeria, like when you're in a situation that we were at, my mom was a teacher. My mom owned a store to, to a little convenience store. To, and we, we did little jobs on the side. We sold certain things on the side. And on top of it, raising three boys, rowdy boys. Like that that's what we and in the school we, we didn't it wasn't like oh there's the car the bus is gonna pick you up at 3 7 a.m to go to school no the school is two miles away three miles away you walking you better get going don't be late because if you got if you was late you was gonna get a whooping before school started that's how it was and especially the education system is so high because you miss <laughs> you miss a couple answers on a test you had to go out and get a switch, and you were going to get whipped in school for those answers that you missed on school, the test. would beat you in school? Yeah. Absolutely. The teacher. The teacher. The teacher was, un first of all, it's not teacher. It's uncle and aunt. That's your uncle and your aunt in school. They knew your parents. They knew your family. They were going to whoop you in school if you decided to, to mess up. And that's how it was. So that's why there's a lot of these smart Nigerians that get out. And if there's no freaking job, well, we got to somehow make money. It's so fucked up because I don't want people to beat kids. But goddamn, when you put kids under that kind of pressure. My parents put me in Catholic school for one year and I got excellent grades. And afterwards, 
I was fucking terrible. <laughs> terrible, man. And I remember my stepfather said something to me. He said, your grades were only good when you were in Catholic school. I was like, I was fucking terrified. Oh, my God. I'm like, it ain't a good move. I mean, it's not. They were threatening me all the time. They wanted to beat me and make me sit on a nail in the closet. But it's this, I don't, I don't, I would never want you to go through that. But the fact that you went through that is probably one of the reasons why you're the man you are today. That's humanity. That's what I call humanity because uh, as human beings, when we're growing, like, and you hear this all the time with parents, I want a better life for my kids. Yeah. I want a better life for my kids. Yes, absolutely. That's what we want. We want to present them with endless possibilities. But you can't forget the fact that the reason you're the, 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 the champion or the, the upstanding person that you are today is because you went through these hard things. These mo- all these hardships yeah. molded you. And, and, and that's part of the, the situation now is like everyone's like, oh, no, I don't want these kids to play these sports. It's too tough. They're too rough. You know, they they could get hurt. They could get that, or that kid could turn into a freaking champion. He can get knocked on his butt fifty times, and that one fifty one time, he gets up and says, "You know what? Screw this. I'm gonna be a champion today." There's and also he, he, that you could do other things. You could. I think a guy like you could do anything. Like once you've achieved what you've achieved in in MMA and in wrestling. The kind of mindset that makes you push your body to the limit like that and allows you to get your, your you just just your body into the kind of condition that made you fight five rounds like that against Tyron. That's an extraordinary mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for, uh, and this one thing that I always say is I'm thankful for every individual that I've crossed paths with. Because when I really look back on my life and I internalize a lot of things, like how did... I was a little, I mean, I was a freaking pipsqueak in Nigeria carrying this hot plate on my head to go sell, you know, up and down the street. How did I, I I never imagined that I would get to the point where I would run into all these different wrestling coaches that would pour knowledge into me. Even if for every, and this is a shout out to every coach. If you ever saw me, I was drilling a move and you came over and just corrected me. Or you said, no, 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 do it this way. You know, even if it's just a moment, an inch in my life, and you did all of that contributed to the person that I am today, to all those coaches, all those people, all my mentors that given me advice, each and every one, because I never knew that I would cross paths. Like, look how crazy my life is. I crossed paths with John. The first time I ever seen an MMA fight was John Jones. I won my belt on the same card as John Jones. You know, I stayed, when I went to visit John Jones, I stayed in the same room that Kobe Covington Stayed in the following year when he went to school with John Jones. How fucking crazy is that? That's pretty fucking crazy. His, John's roommate was Joe Soda, who also is in the UFC. Yeah. Like, you know, went to the University of Nebraska at Kearney, became a national champion. Same as Travel wrestled with Travel DeLognum, Joe and Jake Ellenberger. Jake Ellenberger in the UFC, Joe Ellenberger in the UFC. Like, the, like look at the past that I've crossed in this life to get me to this point here. I'm extremely thankful, man. I, I at the end of the day, I, there's nothing that I can do. That that I I, I got to give it up. Like this was a plan. I didn't. This wasn't me. I didn't control this. Say, you know what? When I'm 25 and when I'm this age, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. Do that. And and it all come together like that. Like I've been blessed. I've been very very blessed to cross paths with all these guys, and and it's gotten me to this moment. So I'm I'm, I'm so thankful. Well, I think it's both. You definitely have been blessed, as as all of us have. But 
not besides just being fortunate it's you you went through the work you went through the work and you completed the process you know and that just the fact that you fought tyron motherfucking woodley with a broken foot and a hernia and still dominated him for five rounds is crazy. You don't you don't get to that without having you built your mind and your body in in a, a very crazy way. In in a way through the, the 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 fires of hard work and discipline, you forged a champion. Yeah, I mean, thank you, Joe. Like that. That's it's all. It all goes back to everything. Like. This is how my mind works. It's ever since I was little. I'm one of those guys. I sound silly, but I'm a one trip kind of guy. When I go to the grocery store and I'm bringing all that shit in the house, I'm a one trip kind of guy. Carry it in, in one trip. <laughs> I'm gonna do it all. In one. I don't matter. I don't care how much it is. I'm gonna try to do it in one trip. <laughs> and this is one thing that I say to myself when I'm carrying all that stuff inside. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah, this makes no sense. The house is literally fifty feet from that from the car. <laughs> But in my mind, while I'm carrying all that heavy shit, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm freaking, yeah, we'll do one trip, one trip. Get tough, baby, get tough, get tough. I've been doing that since I was a kid. Get tough, get tough, you can do it, you can do it, get tough. Or when I'm doing sets of, of stuff, reps, and, and, you know, the coach is like, all right, four sets of 10. I'm doing 10 when I get to, like, 10. I'm like, oh, but I can do one more, 11, let's get 11. Boom, get an extra set in. I've been putting in extra set forever forever to where i feel like all that has built me up to where my mind is today well your mind is there but do you do you have a concern like what we were talking about before with cain velasquez that your mind might be too strong for the tissue too strong for the ligaments too strong for the joints i mean this is what i worry about with a guy like you yeah there's not that you're not mentally strong yeah i have no fear of that at all no my my concern was with a guy like kane velasquez the guy like there's there's certain people that i worry that they might do too much or push too hard but the fucking problem is the only way you become a kane velasquez or become you is to have that mindset to begin with joe how how else can you see Cain Velasquez fighting? Can't see it. Can't exactly. see it any other way. Can't see him training any other way. That's what made Cain. Yeah, and, and and I think that's all part of the plan. Like, there's a time for everybody. There's a time. There was a time designed for Tyron Woodley to become champion, to be champion. There's a time for me to be champion and to reign as a champion. There's a time for everybody. Of course, I'm. And like I said, I, I like to take all this different knowledge that I get and I like to put it all together. So, of course, my coaches are now that no one to tell me, yo, just go home. Like, you you look great. You, you, my mind, I want to freaking go harder. And they're like, oh, you do, you've done great. Go home. So where I'm listening and I'm, I'm giving them the lead on that. But, but the way I train is what's gotten me here. Yeah. And the way Kane trained is what's gotten them there. Now it's the responsibility of not just Kane, but everybody else that's around him that he really confides in. To, to let him know when it's too much and when it's not too much. Yeah, well, with Kane, there's so many issues now because the, the surgeries have been so extensive and back surgery and knee surgeries and reconstructions, not just meniscus like you, but the actual structure of the knee itself. One thing that I, yeah, one thing that I would always say is um, Kane, you, you can't always, with, with Kane, with anybody else, is the human body and the human mind is so powerful. 
you can never say, oh, man, that's it's over for that guy or that guy's never going to be the same. Or no, you never know. Nah, you never know. Like Kane, uh, you know, much respect to Kane. Kane can come back and be a savage and still run through guys for in sure. the next year or two. For sure. You never know that. So, I mean, if he gets know, his knee fixed, I don't know what the extent of that, that injury was. but Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful and uh, optimistic that he's going to be back soon, you know. But there's, I feel like there's a time for everybody. And if Kane doesn't fight like that, can you imagine Kane fighting any other way? A fight point fighting. Or, point fighting. No. Oh, no. Well, let me. You can't. No, you can't. No, yeah. I mean, that's why there's an argument that he's the best UFC heavyweight ever. He's for so for sure one of the best UFC heavyweights ever. Absolutely. You know, I mean, not even a question. Yeah. Now, when do they have you fighting Colby? When is that supposed to take place? I don't know. You don't know? I think it's uh I have to get healthy first. Mhm. For a long, long time, I've been fighting hurt, but I just like I don't gotta care. send you down to Panama. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give you that guy's I, I, number. We'll yeah, get off we definitely. This I'm gonna contact Doctor Reardon, give it to you. Yeah, I've, I've been fighting hurt for so long, Joe. Mm -hmm. Like whether it's knee or there, there's been training camps where I could barely walk. Like walk, not training, walk, <laughs> walk. For I think the last two years, my daughter laughs at me. I come down the stairs backwards. Really? I go down the stairs backwards because it leaves pressure on my knees. Jesus Christ. And my daughter laughs at me. But I that, it was it was a time where I couldn't walk. That's crazy. Before the Leon Edwards fight, I fought Leon Edwards years ago before that fight, I could barely walk. I mean, I shit you not, Joe. Walk down to and from the house, like from the car to the house. It was it was in pain. I walked on grass. I couldn't walk on concrete because I felt like that relieved a little bit more stress. Like that's the extent of the pain that I've been in in some of these fights. That is fucking insane. Now this is during the camp. During the camp, just How to far? make it to the fight. Just walking on grass instead of concrete. Walking on grass instead of concrete because it's softer. Jesus Christ! And, and it doesn't. It's not as much hard hard surface to walk on. So just when the fight came on, you just put it all aside. Yeah, when I walked through that cage, fuck it, let's go. This is a matter of me getting maybe ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars. Let's go. I chose to be here instead of sitting in front of it, instead of sitting at a desk, may, earning money, so providing for my family. This is how I'm going to do it. And like I said, Joe, like my daughter lit a freaking fire on me, Joe. Yeah. Man, I, uh, when I. That was an adorable moment, man. And, and when you had her, you carried her, uh, yeah, you put man, the belt I, on I you. I want her to. Uh, I She's want looking her to, around. Like, when she, yeah. When she grows up, I want her to uh, remember that forever because uh, she lit a fire. I. Part of remember we were talking about um that the tank that you have in there. Part yeah. of why I, <laughs> I'm a little scared to be locked in those tanks is because I'm I've never been claustrophobic ever in my life. I never was, but there was a time when I found out that I was gonna have her. That my girl was pregnant with her at the time. I um, I'm freaking living with Rashad Evans. I have no money in my bank account. I'm broke as hell. And I'm having a child, and I'm not married yet. And, and, and these are, especially these are these principles of your African parents. Like you got to be married and things like that. I'm not married yet. Of course, her mom is a phenomenal woman, phenomenal. And I'm not married, and all these things is happening. I was fucking my mind. I was panicking, and I fight before that. I just lost. This was after I lost the second fight. Now I'm getting ready for the third fight. And there was this doctor, doctor's office that we go in and, and sleep in the hyperbaric chamber because we heard it was better for your body and stuff like that. 
So I'd be doing it here and there once a week. I'd go in and sleep in the, like the plastic ones. They zip you up in there and it compresses up. And I was in there. And one time I was in there and uh, I started thinking. I usually pass out. And when I, it starts to decompress, I wake up. I'm in that thing. And I wake up, you know, but it hasn't decompressed yet, you know. So I never really thought anything of it. I'm just kind of in there and I'm in this office, in this room. It's dark because the nurses, they flip the light off and they go on about their business, tending to other patients. And I'm like, okay, shit, I got to fight this fight. I got, I got, I got choked out in my last fight. Damn. Okay. This shit might happen again. This dude, like, they say this dude is tough. This, they, they saying this dude is tough. He can scrap. <sighs> I'm about to have a daughter. Shit. I'm broke. I ain't got no money. <sighs> I got to win this fight because I'm fighting for like $2,000. One and one. If I win $2,000. <sighs> All this shit is going through my head now. This tank hasn't decompressed. The room is dark. No, I'm hearing nothing. No nurses. So now I start to get hot. I'm in the thing, and I started getting a little hot in the tank. I'm like, okay, so now my body's getting a little hot. I'm laying there. Now I start dripping. My forehead is dripping sweat. So I'm trying to control. I'm like, oh, relax, bro. You've done this so many times. Relax. You got this. You got this. It takes you good. I can't see the clock, so I don't know how much time has gone by. Now I'm freaking the fuck out. <laughs> My mind is like, I'm stuck in this tube. I don't know what's going on. I, I, I might die in here. I don't know what's going on. These, these people gotta get me out of here. <sighs> oh no! So I'm like, relax, relax. So I'm bringing my mind back. I'm relaxed. Take a deep breath. You good? You good? What you, what you worried about? Now I'm having this conversation in my mind, back and forth. I'm like, relax, you good. So I relax. I'm like, all right, think of how you gonna knock this dude out. Jab, jab, one, two, boom. Okay, so now I'm calm, I'm calm. But what if he counted with a left hand? Boom, now you knocked out. <laughs> now I'm fucking sweating. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Joe, I said you know, I was sweating so bad. So I start tapping on the thing. Like, you know, I don't want to freak out because I, I still got to be cool. I don't want to let these nurses know, like, I'm freaking out. I'm a fighter. Right. I'm freaking out in this tank. So I'm tapping on the thing. I'm like, you know, trying to ask them, like, hey, uh, how much time we got left? Just to at least hear another voice. Right. Nothing. Nothing. They're, they can't hear me because it's loud. The tank is loud. And I'm <sighs> relaxed. I'm full-on panic attack in there. Full-on panic attack. And I'm trying to bring myself back. I'm calming myself down. And I'm sweating heavily, like profusely now. I'm just dripping. And all of a sudden, I'm tapping this thing hard. And a nurse walks in. As soon as she walks in and flips the light, I hear the machine start to decompress. Oh, fucking thank God. And I'm like, uh, she opens it. You Okay. Like yeah, I'm good, you know. It's just uh, you know, just getting a little hot. <laughs> but I had a full blown panic attack in there. I have not been in a whole in a hyperbaric chamber since. I tried it one time. I I probably could have done it, but was I it just, helping you? I I couldn't really tell. My body was so damaged at the time. Like I'm so crazy on my body. I, it's hard for me to tell. It's supposed to heighten recoveries. Yeah, it's supposed to heighten it. But I I after that day. Like, I, I, certain things kind of make me feel a certain way. Like, I've had tons of MRIs after that, but they freak me out. Because you put me in the MRI machine, especially when you got to do the head one. I got to go in head first. Mm -hmm. 
I don't like those. I have to give my I have to give myself a pep talk and, and calm myself down and go in there to do those now. Mm. Like I just did one the other last week before I got my, had my surgery. And the lady's trying to put me. I'm like, yo, I just got an MR. I got the disc from the last one that I did last week. Like, the doctor said I could just bring this disc in and I'm good. She's like, the doctor wants us to get a new one. I'm like, you sure about that? Like, <laughs> I already got the same disc here. I'm like, no, we got to do one. I'm like, how long is it going to be? 40 minutes. Fuck. 40 minutes because my shoulders are wide. So I'm in there tight. Right. And the machine is right here. Yeah, and it's making a noise, and I feel, and it's like, yeah, I'm just, it's a, I have to give my mind a pep talk, and I'm just like, relax, bro. What you mean, man? You good? You could, you got this. You can do this. And I look at them, I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's do it, let's knock it out. Boom, then we're doing it. And God forbid, I, I, I freaking wake up or my mind starts wandering. Twenty minutes in, then I'm just fucking halfway panic attack through the rest but i'll get through it yeah it's scary but you know since that day you know um and it was was crazy like at that point when i was pregnant we were pregnant with my daughter i was just like fuck am i gonna survive i can't keep asking this grown man rashad that works hard to support me i can't do that i gotta make my own i gotta do this so i was scared i was scared i didn't know what was gonna happen and then all of a sudden, you know, right when we're having her, we have her, boom, boom, the opportunity comes up. We're going to do the ultimate fighter. I said, no, I don't want to do the ultimate fighter. And there was, I was like, yo, bro, you got to do this. I fucking end up doing the ultimate fighter. Boom, I win the ultimate fighter. Boom, I fight for the finale. Boom, I do this. Like roller coaster. Boom, 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 boom. All the hard work, everything that I've been putting in, boom, starts paying off, paying off. Now I'm making 10 and 10. Okay, you feel like that's that's enough to be able to, you know, sustain me until I got to fight again. I got to fight again. got to fight again. Boom, this happens. This happens. I get with, you know, amazing manager Ali Abdulaziz who freaking, you know, help just transform the career, take it to the next level, you know, and get with him. And now things are going the way that I, I you know, I've been wanting them to go. Boom, 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 boom. Everything's. Man, and it was just, it's just motivation to keep working. Like, and every time I look at my daughter, how innocent she is, how, how sweet and wonderful she is, man, it just freaking, it, it transforms me to where I'm. And I, there's a video, and I even have a video of, of, uh, of her, because she's been coming to the gym with me ever since she was six months old. I used to take her to the gym. Mom's at work, she'd come to the gym with me. And when she comes to the gym, she knows what I do. She watches me do it all the time. There's this video where she's, she has she has a gloves and she hits the bag too when I when I work out, <laughs> and I was doing a circuit. I was getting ready for a fight, and she's running around with me and, and she's cheering me on. She's like, "Let's go, Daddy! I'm so proud of him!" And like telling to my coach, and she's like, "Come on, Daddy!" Like, uh, and I watch those videos, and I'm just like, I was always one of those hard guys. Like, man, I ain't gonna be no sucker when I have kids. Like, that. I ain't gonna be acting like that. I can't watch a video with her and not smile. It's the craziest thing to me. People who don't have children will never totally understand that. No, right? it's a different, it's a different fire that they they light underneath you, man. And, and if you uh, don't get motivated once you have kids, you're never gonna get motivated. <laughs> no, you probably shouldn't yeah. have just been doing that, anyways. It changed my life for sure. Yeah, she is. Um, man, she's 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 my little she's my little rider. She rides with me. She, I love her to death, man. I can't nothing. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. She is. She's my. She's my plus one. That's what I call. It. That's my plus one. 
no matter whatever I do in life from now on, she's a plus one. She's with me. That's amazing. Yeah. I gotta find the video, but it's so funny. It's so funny when I'm 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 doing like a, a circuit and I'm running around and, and you could see her run around like, <laughs> Come on, daddy. I'm so proud of him. So she's just hanging out and like she no one's watching out. her? No, she just hanging out. She's just she's hanging out with you. Such a good training. little girl. Like Ever since she was six months old, I put her in a stro- in her car seat and just put her by the side of the mat. Boom! She would just watched me train for two hours. Wow! Two hours. To when she got to, you know, a certain point where we had a, like a daycare in the gym, and she would go in the gym. She would go to the daycare, and she was she was good there. And then to the point where now, like the kids that are in our gym are around similar age, and and our coach's wife Henry Puki, she does a good job, and she would just watch them, you know. But they govern themselves. They just play around on the other side and run around. But it's not like they're around harmful things in the gym. Right. You know, they just have a good time there. That's great that you have that environment. Yeah, man. She's like I said, like a lot of people are like, oh man, she's so beautiful. You know, you you're gonna be nah, I'm not worried. Like my daughter's gonna have a nice one two and a hard low kick <laughs> and you know, whoever can deal with that, hey, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. But yeah, she lit that fire, and um, and I dreamt about that moment. So it's so surreal, Joe. I think about that moment, like when you were interviewing me. Like I freaking forgot your name <laughs> while you were interviewing me. I'm like, Joe. Wait, your name is Joe. Yeah, your name is Joe. Fuck. Well, it's gotta be surreal when they put that belt around you for the first time. Yeah, because I imagined it so many times. Let me be. Let me ask you something honestly. Do you like the new belt or the old belt? Initially, I used to talk shit. I was like, man, nah, because that's all you picture, that old belt. Right, you picture right, that. Right. And we're human beings. People don't like change. Right. You know, that was the thing. It's like, oh, man, this shit look like a spaceship. But that fucking thing is phenomenal. That's your belt. Phenomenal. I, that you, new belt now is phenomenal. It's, it's amazing. You it want beautiful. it. beautiful. It's beautiful. Of course. I always wanted that old belt. You know, but now it's like comparing it to it. No, like this new belt's got all these colors and this country flags on it and the stones it's amazing like you know the people that all the ones that are still hating on it and say oh no that looks crazy wait till you put that belt on you wait till you hold that thing and it's super heavy and and i'm it's like it's amazing it's amazing i love it what did you think about that uh the deal today where all the pay-per-views are going to be on espn plus uh fucking ufc baby these guys are hey there's always a way to cut out the middle man <laughs> yeah i guess so huh? yeah hopefully this is the thing is my hope is now the pay-per-view scale for the fighters bumps that's what i hope now. Mm. but i hope the numbers stay high because yeah. people have to subscribe now Oh, to ESPN Plus, really? I believe. I'm not sure. No, that, that can't be because if you're paying your money, like, unless you get it free, like, because if you're going to pay. Is that what it is, Jamie? It says you have to subscribe to ESPN Plus in order to get a pay-per-view. Well, yeah. how does that work with people that yeah. are out of, out of the out of country? I believe it's cheaper, though. I think it's the same price you're paying at the end of the day because i think it was like 65 or 70 yeah but now, now you get a subscription it's 60 instead of 65 right and it comes with the subscription right so you have but you have to subscribe and you can cancel at any time so you can subscribe so you have to read what if someone only wants to buy one or two pay-per-views a year they resubscribe every time i guess yeah i mean 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it works. I mean, uh, if you really want to, I hope it doesn't mess with the numbers. But I the wish thing Brandon is, Shaw was in here so he could talk some shit. <laughs> you and I can't talk some shit about this. But if Shaw was here, <laughs> oh man, Brandon, Brandon, another guy that's. I think Brandon's doing. His shows got big. It's huge. Like I was doing phenomenal. Yeah, I I went to one of his shows down in uh, Florida, West Palm. Yeah, yeah. In Florida. And um, I got fucking Brendan Shaw. I didn't think he was funny. I was like, yeah, let's do it. He's Brendan Shaw. I was bored that night. I was like, let's go to a Brendan Shaw show. And I go, and he was freaking funny. Like he, he told hard. the whole he told the whole story, man. And I, I was impressed, man. Man, hats off to Brendan Shaw. Like he was funny. He just basically all he did was tell his story of what's going on, mm-hmm. and what went on in his life, in yeah. his career. But the shit, it, the twist, it was freaking funny. So I went backstage towards the end. I was like, man, that show was funny. I didn't think you were funny, man. But that, that was that was amazing. I loved it. Well, he's showing fighters that there's a path outside of fighting. Absolutely. And that he makes way more money now than he ever made during fighting times. And he's doing well, and he's happy, and he's, he's fulfilled. He's got two great podcasts that he's doing. He does comedy shows. Just did just filmed a Showtime special. He's doing amazing. That's amazing. And which is... Oh, excuse me. Part of um, like all this whole shit, people are giving Tyron a sh- and giving him shit for, you know, doing music or doing movies and all this stuff like that. Man, no, man. I, I more power to him. I, I'm I'm glad that he's doing that because that's what we want. You want all these different revenue streams where yes. you don't have to get punched in the face until yeah, you're you, fifty. You gotta have to an exit it. strategy. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I and I love that and I appreciate that. That's what I want to do. Like, can you freaking? It, Imagine me and Francis in the next Black Panther. <laughs> like you can see it, right? Like what perfect shoot! What perfect we should definitely yeah, be in that. Yeah. Whoever is making that movie, casting for that. Hey, yeah, Francis and Ganu, You don't need to teach us accents at all. Like yeah, I'm from I'm exactly. from Nigeria. There's no thing you have to teach me. Yeah. I have my own accent. You can teach them. You know, yeah, I can teach them. Keep so, it authentic. Yeah, so. You know, yeah, I, I I commend them for that, man. You know, have you doing thought about things. an exit strategy? I, I, absolutely. Like, what do you think I want to do? do all that. Like, I you, you know, act? I've been commentating. I work with Titan FC down in South Florida. Titan nice. does an amazing show too. You know, I commentate some very for good them. Fighters come out of there. Very good. Like, I mean, they sometimes I'm watching fights. I'm like, fuck, these guys fought each other for one and one. Yeah, like oh crazy. Like, good, good. They want to get into the big show. Absolutely. Yeah. So, man, yeah, I, I commentate for them. I you think know, that's I on the SP, uh, That's on UFC Fight, fight pass, pass, right? Fight, UFC yeah. Fight Pass. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I want to get into movies. I, I've been, you know, practicing. I. I think I can do it. Like, I'm, I'm not in no way saying what they do is easy. Like, those actors, like, I know they work hard to be able to transform and make people feel a certain way and evoke certain emotions from different people with your characters. That's a real art. So I respect that, and I want to learn more about that. And, yeah, I definitely want I want to do movies to get more famous, richer, and not get punched in the face. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. What about doing a podcast? You ever thought of that? Yeah, I, I would love it. You know, I just haven't. I just haven't been approached with the right. You know, with the right situation. No, no, no. The the beautiful thing about podcasts, you don't need anybody. Yeah, you don't need shit. You just need a a fucking tape player. You could use it on your phone. You could record what you think. There's great little tiny microphones that stick in the bottom of your iPhone, Uh. and it worked great. And you just sit down and talk about shit. Yeah, we'll have to give that a try. What I don't want right now is 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 something that distract me right. from because I I'm not one of those guys where oh yeah I got to fight now I got to be in training camp you right. know and if I don't have a fight I'm just doing whatever the fuck I want. You're no, I training. freaking practice every yeah. day. 
I'm yeah. going to practice because I, I, it's like my life right now doesn't you know I don't know what to do if I don't go to practice. Right. So, so while you're recovering from the surgery, yeah, how, I'm going to try feel? some different things. Does it feel good though to just like just, just slow down a little bit, smell the roses? Uh, not really because this it. whole week I couldn't <laughs> freaking train. Like right. I wanted to go to the gym and at least yeah hit the back. Excuse me, hit the bag or something, or, right. or just you know, because I think I'm an addict of that burn. Of course, that 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 burn of an workout, yeah. whether it's lifting or push-ups or, or doing something, pushing yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm an addict of that, and so when I don't have that, it's kind of like well, I don't know what, what to do with myself. Well, that's what made you you, and that's what made you the champion. I mean, that that engine that's inside you yeah. is what made you the champion. It only makes sense. Yeah. Well, if I'm, you if you really could just relax and kick back, I'd be nervous. Yeah. I'd be like, damn, look at him. He's shifting gears that's what, already. That's what, that's what they say. They're like, oh, oh you changed now. You changed. Uh, you use a yeah. different person now. You know, you don't got Hollywood on us. You don't. I fucking hate when people say that. Yeah, it's a gross God, thing people say. It. People just love to f come up with some excuses. Yeah. For why they don't do as well as you or why. Oh, one I was going to bring up too is I. I saw you do, because uh, when I started researching you and watching your stuff, I saw the podcast you did with uh, freaking Jamie Foxx oh. years ago or something He's amazing. like that. Fucking, I, I, I mean, I'm such a huge, I'm a huge Jamie Foxx fan. He's Not, so like, fucking talented. I mean, talking to a triple threat. He could do like, anything. How many people can right. do He does stand-up comedy. Like, he, chicks are in trouble. Sings incredible. Yeah. Women Act are in trouble. Off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Right. Everybody's he can make in you trouble. Laugh. He can make you laugh. He can serenade you with his voice. Yeah. And he can freaking act. And, and, a lot of dudes are lucky he's not gay. How about yeah, that? <laughs> They'd be in trouble. They'd be in trouble. Yeah, no, oh he's my God. fucking amazing, man. He's he's such a genuine guy too. Yeah, like is is I mean, I've known him for a long time, but he's a fucking Academy Award winning actor. When he yeah. comes in and hangs out with you, you would never imagine it. I, I that's that's what I grab. The energies like that is what I. He's so normal. It. It's like it's, it's like weird. Rashad Evans. Yeah. Rashad is the same way. Yeah, uh, and those energies I I really gravitate towards. Yes. And, I, and I love. Yeah, people who don't take themselves seriously. Yeah. But they do. They do. Of course. Like, they do, yeah. but they don't pretend they're better than you or anything. Like, I ran into Jamie at a fucking gas station, like, uh, six, <laughs> six, seven months ago. Some guy Wait, pulled what up. time was this? Normal time, like, okay. during the day. He was actually okay. with his daughter. She was coming from a martial arts class. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting gas, and this guy pulls up in this crazy fucking car. Like, I never saw one of these things before. It's, I forget what it's called. Some weird SUV that looks like it's from the future. Really? Like, oh, the Lamborghini SUV? No, no, it's one? not a Lamborghini. It's some crazy... He knows the guy who makes them. Oh. It's crazy. I mean, I don't even know what the fuck it is. Yeah. I never saw one before. I'm like, what is this thing? And I'm looking at this thing. And then the dude rolls down the window and goes, what's up, Joe? I go, oh, what's up, Jamie? I go, what the fuck is this, man? Yeah. And he's so normal. He jumps out of the car and starts talking. People just start coming up to him. Yeah. And uh, he's like, "Hey, what's up? How you doing?" Every, just totally normal. You know what? Like, I I, I kind of I feel a little bit of that right yeah. now because it's because uh, I still do the same shit. Like I I'm still still go to the same little nutrition shop that I go to get a protein shake here and there, and I still go to the same. Like I took my daughter to the movies before I left. Yeah, to go to IPIC, and I just roll in. It's just me, me and her. Perfect. You know, we'll just freaking roll Keep in that as long as you can. And people, I and people ask for pictures, and and I think one guy one time said like, "Bro, I can't fuck, I can't believe you're here, bro. Like, bro, you serious, bro? Like, this one guy was like, "Bro, you." You here, bro? Like, 
who's mom, bro? Can I get a bro? Can I get a picture with you, bro? Like, he almost like cried. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, bro, of course. You can get it. Yeah, you want me to take it? Which angle? You want me to take a couple? I'm, I'm ah. snapping the picture. And I'm kidding. But they it just couldn't believe the fact that I'm normal. Yeah, you know that your people are just normal. People are just normal. People yeah. are just people. They're just well, people. And you know, I think one of the great things about someone who accomplishes something that's pretty spectacular is that you didn't just do that and win the world title, but you set a lot of people in motion. You know how many people watched that and must have been pumped up and, and excited about it and then started doing things? There's probably a lot of people that decided to start fighting because of watching. I mean, millions of people watched that fight. So stop and think about how many different people must have been inspired by that. How That's... many different people saw the highlights on Instagram and on Twitter and on YouTube and how many people got fired up because of that. And that's what I'm thankful for, Joe. Yeah. I'm, I'm thankful for uh, the opportunity. Shout out to the UFC for creating such a business and a market now to where it's, you can touch so many people all across the world because yeah. That's and fighting is one thing that's a universal language. It doesn't matter if you fucking speak Russian, you speak English, or you speak, you know, Igbo or Yoruba, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know fighting. Right. This, this, right. this, this. You everybody know knows that. You don't have to it's know the like, rules. Everybody uh, it's not like cricket. Yeah, it's universal. So it's yeah. one of those things that that's a sport that's gonna just gonna grow. It's only gonna get bigger and bigger, man. Shout out to the UFC, Dana, you know, Hunter, all these guys, Lorenzo, Fertitta, all these guys that created this and packaged mm. it to the way it is now because it's given us platforms to be able to touch people. And yeah, that I I, I truly I'm a, I'm aware of what that could have done for certain people. Certain people, yeah, I might have not thought of each individual person, but. Right. Someone, you know, I might have inspired someone to start fighting that come from where I come from yes. or somewhere in China, Indonesia, anywhere yeah, in anywhere. the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thankful. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. I mean, that is a big part of what a champion is. I mean, we were talking earlier about Marvin Hagler or di different fighters that I watched when I was a kid coming up. Those people give you energy. You know, there's, there's something about watching someone do something spectacular. They, they give you energy. And when you hear a story like yours... You know, a kid who immigrates to the United States at eight years old and goes through all the shit that you went through and becomes a world champion. People hear that, man. It makes it gets them off the fucking couch, man. It gets them to do things. It does. And and um, a thing about during that fight is there was two other guys, two special guests that I had come to the fight, and they were both Nigerian nightmares. You know, in their respective right sports and right, uh, Christian Okoye. You know. Kansas City Chiefs running back was called a Nigerian nightmare because he was a fucking terror. You know who Christian? You know who Christian Okoye is? I don't know anything about football. It was a fucking Jamie's laughing. Man, he knows who it is. Yeah, he was a fucking monster, man. He was like a, I think he was two hundred like two hundred sixty pound running back. Like I'm talking Mack truck running through dude, boom, 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 and, and you know, and he has speed and power. So he was considered a Nigerian nightmare. So he was one of those first guys that people really resonated as a Nigerian nightmare in American sports. And and it, I never watched him play live, of course not. But these are the guys that they create such a legacy yeah. to where when you're growing up, somehow you hear about that legacy, and that inspired me to want to be great, bearing that nickname, and also. Samuel Peters. I don't know if you know who sure. Samuel Peters. Yeah. Samuel Peters, yeah. WBC heavyweight champion of the yeah. world, was at the fights. Oh no shit! And man, uh, these guys are man. I, I I didn't. I never saw him fight live, but he created such a legacy to where I heard about him. Yeah, I had to research them, and these guys inspired me. 
to where now having that nickname, you gotta, you know, I have to hold it to the highest regards. I have mm. to do the best that I can to be able to inspire many, many kids that are gonna come, you know, in the future. So, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity and I'm just grateful. As I'm, I'm a. I'm a humble little kid from Ouchie, Nigeria, <laughs> you know. I used to walk around barefoot, step on nails, glasses, you know, things like that. And look, now look where we at. Now we rocking shoes, designers, baby. <laughs> Dude, you're the UFC welterweight champion of the world, undisputed. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's pretty still, incredible. Yeah. Does it feel real? No. I mean, I, I still feel normal. I don't feel anything But different. you know you're the champ. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but but I think part of why it feels the way it does is because I've I've known for a long time, like I, I've I've felt like it for a long time. Mm -hmm. I've 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 known nothing's gonna change the way I'm gonna train for these fights. Nothing's gonna train change in, the, in my mentality how I'm gonna approach these fights. Mm. It's all the same. It's still a fight is a fight. It's not oh I'm trying to defend this or I'm trying to hold on to this. I don't give a shit. I'm still going in there to dominate you from start to finish to break you mentally so you never want to freaking fight me again. That's my approach to every fight. So nothing changes. I don't feel different. Everyone, the only thing now is that's cool. Everyone's like, treat me a little different. People kind of, you know, people hold doors for me now and shit like that. And hopefully you're making a shitload you know, more money. I, well, yeah, let's, let's all. <laughs> <laughs> you heard that, Dana? Yeah, <laughs> please. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that. But um, that's the only difference. Like, I don't feel different. I don't act any different. Well, I, at least I don't hope not. So. No, when we were talking earlier about guys who like to trash talk and what trash talking is kind of doing for the sport, whether it's good or bad, you know, and some guys are really funny with it. Like, Connor's fucking yeah. hilarious with it. Amazing. There's something about that that is, like when Jeremy Stevens said something about <laughs> it, he was like, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> the most famous line <laughs> in fucking MMA in sports. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, that, oh man. I mean, how many times has that been repeated? Uh, shout out to yeah. Jeremy Stevens too. Yeah, I like I Jeremy. Jeremy. Man, that I was guys coming scrap always. He's he a beast. Scrap. Yeah, but I think that that's not the only way a guy can sell a lot of pay-per-views. A guy can also sell a lot of pay-per-views by being exceptional. And that was the case with George St. Pierre. Like George St. Pierre was never a trash talker and still sold a shitload of pay-per-views. Yeah, I think I think we're as human as human beings, humans can kind of tell the energy yeah if it's a fake energy yeah i think people can tell people are put off by it well people so, are also enamored of people that are exceptional you know yes if you just you can just be exceptional you don't have to just be talking shit all the time and start pushing each other at press conferences it's not the only way no but then you get those you know you get the majority of the 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 shitty fans who who likes that stuff? There's who wants to see it? Too? Who, yeah. yeah, there's a few so who, even though they know it's fake, they just still like yeah. that. They just well, they want to see it, you know. So they put that pressure on people. Like, yeah. no, you got to do this. You have to do that because those are the guys that are gonna tweet you. Those Does are gonna tell you to you. do things? Do they? Do they tell you? No. Do they give you advice on how to talk? Or no, no. no. I mean, Dana's never once said, you got to talk. You got to do this. You got to right. do that. No, they don't do that. Do you feel, though, that sometimes they show you that by favoring guys who do do that? Like like when Colby got a shot at the interim title before you? Yeah, because it, this is the thing is when someone starts doing that and they're starting to trend a lot more, mm -hmm. of course, the company gets behind them because the company's about money. 
It's about green. Right. Like they gotta make money. Right. And that's one thing that I understand more than anything right now. They're about green. Like people will say, "Oh, Danny hates me because this and that." They, they, the only race Dana cares about is green. Like if you're gonna make money, Dana cares. Right. And so, and I think that once someone starts doing that and they're starting to create a little, they're starting to have a little buzz. Of course, Dana is gonna push because that guy's might bring in money, making more money. So I understand that aspect of it, but it's not. I don't think it's Dana necessarily saying, "Oh man, you gotta act like this, you gotta do this because this is what sells." No, Connor did it, and if Connor Connor became who he became, so yeah, Connor is gonna be favored because Connor brings in millions and millions of dollars. Habib did it his way, and now Habib brings in when he you know he's favored, so he's gonna bring in money and things like that. But Dan is not going around saying, yo, you got to be like this guy. You got to be like that guy. You know, Bisping did it his way. Right. You know, and Bisping brought in money. George did it his way. It's just as long as you want to be real, what you choose to do, you're going to be real with yourself. Because at the end of the day, you have to look at yourself in the mirror. Yes. If you can do what you want to do, and then at the end of the day, look in the mirror when everyone's gone. It's just you. You take a piss in the morning, and then you wake up and look at yourself in your mirror, and you're like, I'm all right. Then that's fine. Do they do you? Beautiful, beautifully put. You're a bad motherfucker tomorrow, my man, Joe. Man, <laughs> thanks for doing this, man. Thank you. It's a and pleasure. Thanks for telling people your story and inspiring people. And I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you, man. Thank I you, brother. appreciate it. Kamaru Usman, ladies and gentlemen, the champ. <laughs> <laughs>